Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Kofefi Break. <laughs> I almost said daily Kofefi. It's a habit. Uh, welcome to Kofefi Break on Unsafe Space. Today is Monday, April 13th. Um, my name is Carter Laren, and I'm joined by Carrie Smith from Texas. Hi, Carter. How you doing, Carrie? Uh, <laughs> I just watched that documentary you sent me. <laughs> <laughs> you liked oh. it, right? I knew you would like it. Well... Yes, and uh, I have I, I didn't actually finish it. I was in the last like ten minutes of it, and I uh, had to finish the end of it when I'm done. But yeah, I have some thoughts about it. Are we going to talk about it? We can, we can. I mean, there's not really a lot new in it uh, that you didn't know. It's just uh, it's a good story. So I people maybe maybe we, before we jump into that, we should say, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, all that stuff. Um, Welcome everyone in chat. Dr. K's here. Uh, Ninja Kitty was second in chat today, so Daniel Keen beat Ninja Kitty. Um, Let yeah, me get my chat pulled up. I'm like running a little behind. Okay. Um, but yeah, I. So Carter sent me this documentary that came out on YouTube. It's free. The whole thing's on YouTube. It's called Out of the Shadows. He was like, "Have you seen this documentary, Out of the Shadows?" And I was like, "No, let me look it up." I'm like, "Do you mean the one about depression?" He's like, "No." I'm like, do you mean the one about, because there's other, there's other, so don't watch the wrong one. This is on YouTube and it came out two days ago and it has. I'll post the link in chat right now. There you go. There's okay. the link in chat. Uh, I heard about it from Cernovich and it's called Out of Shadows and it has currently, so it's a, I think it's a brand new YouTube account that they just created to release this documentary as far as I can tell. Uh, or at least the account hasn't been around. It says it, it says actually joined April 7th, 2020. So it's a brand new account. The account has 101,000 subscribers. The documentary has 3.4 million views, and it was posted two days ago. Um, Three point... <clears throat> wow, 3.4 million. Yeah. Um, well, here's, here's my initial uh, reaction to it. For someone who is not aware of a bunch of... Okay, so for someone who is living in the matrix, I'll put it that way, <laughs> who who is not aware of some of the things they're talking about, I actually don't think it's a good introductory video because it's too easy to they try to cover too much. And mm. and it almost it it comes off like some crazy conspiracy theorist, which is which we can address how that's a like even in the video they talk about how um labeling people conspiracy theorists is a way to just disregard facts that are actually sometimes embedded with things that are not true. Um, and so I think it's, but it's easy to dismiss this one. I would say for people, it's funny that you heard about from Cernovich because if you're, if you're trying to get like, I don't know, maybe, maybe encourage a, a friend or family member or someone to um, see beyond the matrix or maybe even open their mind up to the fact that that our media is propaganda, which is something I've believed for a while now. Mm -hmm. um, in the past few years, it became apparent to me that so much of the media is them just telling you they're feeding you a narrative, which is why I don't I don't plug into that stuff every day like I used to. But um, if you're trying to do that, I would start with something like Cernovich's documentary, Hoaxed. Which hoaxed, I think, is um, does a better job of. It's just focused on one subject. It's just about the media. It doesn't get into 
all like this movie tries to pull in everything. It's like let's talk about MK Ultra, let's talk about Jeffrey Epstein, let's talk about child pedophilia rings, let's talk and they and in, in doing so, I think it's a little it's too overwhelming for people. It's people are gonna watch it and be like, This is a bunch of nut jobbery. Um I think you should starting with something like hoax, which is just like, let's just look at what the media does at, you know, like this one little area, I think is a much better introduction to something like this. And by the way, speaking of hoaxed, I don't know if you saw this, I'm sure you did, but, um, you know, he had recently re-released it on Amazon and it was doing very well there. And then Amazon pulled it down this over the weekend uh, just completely pulled hoaxed off of the Amazon. I think the, they pulled it last, last Thursday. Last, did we talk Thursday, about it on yeah. Friday? I thought we talked about it on Friday. No? All right. I don't remember talking about it. Anyway, they pulled hoax down, and they um, actually took it off the devices of people who had already purchased it, which yes. is kind of crazy. Like, they took it out of your vault that you of movies that you own. Um, and since then, it's become it's moved up to the top ten on iTunes. If you guys haven't seen Hoaxed yet, I would say start there. Watch Hoaxed before you watch this. <laughs> so, um, why? What were your What were your thoughts? I was actually when it first started. It even um, in this documentary, they start with a Hollywood stuntman, and he starts sort of talking about how he became a Christian. And I was like, Whoa, this is going to be. A much broader perspective than I thought. I can't I believe that Carter sent me this. And I can't believe Carter <laughs> sent me this. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, uh, well, let, let me uh, a few thoughts. First of all, um, there, there was a lot. There was a lot there, Carrie. Uh, <laughs> hoaxed. Yes. Uh, we. I don't know. Actually, everyone is claiming that Amazon took it down, which is uh, totally possible, and I completely believe it. The other. They they use their standard message that they use though when content does disappear because of um, uh, breakdowns in distribution discussion like discussions with the distributor. Cernovich doesn't own distribution rights, so it's possible that there's some discussion with the distributor and they're negotiating over something and and they've taken it down. Um, it like there is an outside chance that it's a legitimate contract dispute. Um, however, you and I both share the. Uh, Skepticism. This, the skepticism of that, <laughs> yes, it's it's much more likely they just don't like it. Um, on this documentary, so can, let's back up for a minute because we're talking about it and people don't know what it is. It's called Out of Shadows. It's about a. It's it was produced by a stuntman who'd been in Hollywood for decades, and and actually it seemed, looks like a few other people who had been in Hollywood and another stuntman was involved and some other people, um, and. It is kind of all over the place in the sense that um, they talk generally about the media controlling the narrative. I think their intent is to be a little bit more specific with the topic, which I think is actually harder for people to swallow generally, which is the, I'll call it satanic cult Hollywood pedophilia ring stuff. And even on this show, when when we had uh, Julianne on Julianne Davis on here recently, um, someone made a comment like, oh, you guys, you know, she started talking about Hollywood satanic stuff. That's just, you know, kind of, I think they said something like kind of crazy conspiracy, kookish stuff to talk about. Um, and that's a difficult topic to talk about because it is so crazy uh, that people's initial reaction is like, 
you just seem like you're talking about aliens and 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 total wonk it like wonky wonky crazy stuff um and i so i think the challenge was they wanted to get there right because towards the end of the film it was predominantly focused on they brought up pizzagate they went through some stuff with pizzagate um they brought up uh what's her name marie uh uh, Marina Abrom Abromovich. What's how do you say Abromovich? Abromovich. I think the the spirit cooking lady. Yeah. Yeah. They brought um, up her. Um, somebody, real ahead. quick, I'll interject. One thing I like that they did about the PizzaGate section of the film is they introduced me to the veteran reporter who's done a lot of coverage on it, um, who you know was highly esteemed by the mainstream media until. For decades, until she started researching Pizzagate and and child pedophilia, and her name is Liz. What's her last name? Uh, her Do you last that section. Uh, hold on, I actually reached out to her to get her on the show, but I forgot uh, her name. Liz uh, Crokin is her name. Liz Crokin. Okay, so I w- I appreciated that because I had never heard of her, and I went down the Pizzagate rabbit hole. Um, Thanksgiving of 2018. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do for Thanksgiving? <laughs> I will always remember what I did. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I actually, Carrie, I don't. What? I did something quite similar. I had, I just deleted a couple months ago um, massive downloads of a whole bunch of people involved. I took their, I, I pulled data off of their Facebook that was public in case they deleted it later. Uh, like I, I like totally archived a bunch of stuff, uh, cause I went down that, that rabbit hole. Uh, and then I, I recently, I deleted it cause I was like, hey, this isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but at the but, time, yeah. it, I, whenever you went down that rabbit hole, I remember maybe it was around the same time or so, a similar time frame. I went down that rabbit hole and I didn't hear of her at the time, but I did, um, I did, you know, we, we haven't really talked about pizza gay on this show very much it's, it was but, older uh, than this show it kind of it kind of started before we started so i kind of feel like pizzagate's a little bit passe to talk about right but also it's just i don't know we haven't talked about it and yeah. it's um but but uh, w- what i will say for anyone who hasn't gone down that rabbit hole um it's very easy to make something um look ludicrous when the mainstream media and the uh, the authorities, the people who should be investigating it, are not doing so. So then you leave it to the realm of conspiracy theorists, and it's hard to, to separate what's truth from fiction when it's not even being looked at. So that's, that's all I'll say about that. There's a lot of stuff in there that I do believe happened, and there's a lot of stuff in the Pizzagate conspiracy that I think is ludicrous, but you actually have to look at it. The WikiLeaks emails, which the media, and they point this out in the documentary, Chris Cuomo and CNN lied to us and told us it's illegal for us as citizens to read the WikiLeaks emails. It's not illegal. He said, you have to rely on us, the media, to tell you what's in them. That's not true. Um, and if people go and read those emails, uh, I think I think the the language that they use, the the that they point out in this film, and that I had seen back when I went down that rabbit hole, um, they can't explain it. Like she says in this documentary, they can't explain it. They use they use pizza and cheese and all of these different 
uh, code words that that authorities have used for a long time to me in in child pornography and child um, sex abuse stings to identify different types of of sexual abuse they use those words and they say things like i'd like to have a pizza for an hour um what does that mean who who has a pizza for an hour who orders a pizza for an hour bring me a pizza to my hot tub for an hour stuff like that you know yeah um anyway yeah so i mean i you know i agree i think one of the things that happens one of the things that happens when you uh, label something a conspiracy theory or you refuse to investigate it, which one of the things this, this documentary points out about Pizzagate, is that, well, well, let me step back. The, the, the documentary, which, what I like about the documentary is it is sort of a, an honest person's kind of uh, journal down the rabbit hole a little bit, right? It's this, this guy who's like not even... I'm not religious. I didn't. They didn't believe in conspiracy theories, but I kind of know Hollywood. I guess I could invest. Like I could, you know, his interest peaked. His curiosity was peaked here, and he he went down the rabbit hole, and and eventually they got to like really dark stuff, like spirit cooking and PizzaGate and stuff. Um, but when you when you ref, when you don't investigate that stuff, and when you leave it up to the kooks, what happens is. Um, you inevitably get people who tie it to things, even if there's lots of truth there. So let's say, let's say the initial stuff was all true, right? Because that's ignored, it gets investigated by people who, some of whom are going to be tying it to things that aren't true. They're going to make up stories about aliens or this or that. Like they're going to tie it to crazy stuff. And then what the mainstream media does is they cherry pick the crazy stuff and they say, see, it's been debunked. It's all this crazy stuff is not true. And that's right. The craziest part is not true. But um, as was pointed out in this documentary, <clears throat> Pizzagate was not debunked. It And the reason it was not debunked is it was never actually investigated. Um, there is no, there was no investigation of Pizzagate. In fact, I went to, I just, I wanted, I double checked some things. <clears throat> if you just go to Wikipedia, just Wikipedia, right? First, the first thing, Pizzagate is a debunked conspiracy theory that went viral during 2016, and they cite it. They have three citations, <laughs> right? I, I, I open, you can open all three citations. You know what you find on none of these? It's, here's citation, the first citation. Here's the second citation. Here's the third citation. You know what you find? So this is New York Times. They describe the theories. You know what you find on this citation? Not debunked, not investigated. They just said, hey, well, lots of companies have crazy logos. And here's the thing. Someone said this was Obama playing at the pizzeria. That's not a picture of Obama playing at the pizzeria. That's fine. That's not core to the Pizzagate theory. This is just what I'm saying. Like someone who got something wrong related to this, and they pointed out the wrongness of that thing they got. And therefore, we're supposed to believe that the whole thing is bunk and doesn't need to be investigated. So they got exactly. PolitiFact. It describes how it went from, quote, fake news to a real problem, but there's no, there's no debunking here. Uh, and of course, there's no debunking on <laughs> false, right? The Podesta emails revealed the existence of a secret society of pedophiles operating through a pizza place <laughs> loosely connected to Clinton associate David Brock. False. false. They do not. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, no, the, the emails don't prove it. 
right? They, they don't. No one was claiming that the emails prove it. What people are claiming is that the emails are very, very, very odd and maybe should be investigated. I'll, I'll read a couple. Let me read a couple from the documentary and actually maybe one not from the documentary that I, because I also went down this rabbit hole. Hi, John. <laughs> the realtor found a handkerchief. I think it has a map that seems pizza related. Is it yours? What the hell does that mean? What does that mean? Can anyone explain what that means? What is this? Okay, let's look at the next one. <laughs> Would love to get a pizza for an hour. Odd. Who gets a pizza for an hour, as Carrie just said? That's that's kind of weird. Um, let's, there's another one. Let me find the other one here. Uh, Where's the one where he's talking about all the different things they could cook and it's like different types of pizza or pasta i enjoy this type of pasta oh i you know what i don't i I, yes i remember that i don't have that one you remember that one yeah i do have this one uh this lovely attempting uh assortment of cheeses p.s do you think i'll do better playing dominoes on cheese than on pasta that's weird it's just weird I don't know what it means. What they said, okay, so according to, if you go down the Pizzagate rabbit hole, and it's been a while since I did it, so I can't, I don't have, I didn't, like like you, Carter, I didn't look this up again recently, but um, the people who are are claiming that these are um, code words are, you know, cheese is supposed to be little boys or little girls, I think, and pasta is the other. And so, and, and if you read it that way, it's like, huh. Yes, there could be some validity to this, and especially in the way that they're using these words and talking about parties and pool parties where they're going to have kids there. Like, yeah, there's a there's an email that. Pool. Yeah, there was an email I didn't uh, I didn't just pull up. I thought I had it here, but it's just not important. It's exactly what you said. It's like, hey, so and so is going to bring these kids over. They list their ages like nine, eleven, and whatever. They'll be in the hot tub for entertainment. It's like, it's just odd. It's odd and. There, I want to state very clearly, there could be inside joke, totally clean explanations for all of this. What is also true is no one investigated it. No police department investigated, no official source, no one, no official person ever investigated any of this. And what's also true is this person, uh, who one of the people involved who's at dinner with the Podestas and, and Clintons and that kind of stuff, this the artist uh, Marina Abramovich is into spirit cooking. I'm not going to show you pictures of spirit cooking, but look up spirit. Co- Google her name, <laughs> Marina Abramovich. I'll I'll put her name in. Um, uh, I'll spell it below in chat. Yeah, here it is. Just you know, Google or DuckDuckGo image search for that. You'll get some weird. You'll get some weird stuff. Now I'm an atheist. I don't believe in devil worship, but I do believe that some people believe in devil worship, devil worship and practice it. Like, I don't have to believe it's true to believe that other people believe it's true and do it. People believe a lot of stuff in the world, and there are some sick people in the world. And I think you would maybe have to explain, it's, it's at least worth questioning why major figures uh, associated with, ma- people associated with major public figures, including elected officials, and the people behind those elected officials, are having art that looks a lot like um, child murder art, child 
porn art, um, stuff that's just really sick that looks like you would see in a Hollywood satanic ritual video. All that stuff is very odd. And the idea well, the that art, you're crazy for wanting me... to investigate it is, yeah, go ahead, Carrie. Well, just um, if people haven't seen it and they start looking into this, uh, Podesta's brother, Tony Podesta, a lot of the art that they show in this documentary and that you'll see when if you do start looking in the Pizzagate stuff, it's very disturbing. And art is art. I get it. It's subjective. But it's very disturbing, um, borderline pornographic art of children, um, uh, many of them with like their hands cuffed behind their back or or hung up on a string naked half naked um the art that's in his home and you can see it in videos and photos of his home is worth looking into when you take all of these things into account it's not just one thing it's not just the emails it's not just his art it's not just the instagram photos which they point to in this documentary the instagram photos of uh um the guy who owned the the pizza cosmic pizza uh photos of children in sexual connotations and um, demeaning kind of connotations is enough for someone official, <laughs> some branch of the, you know, whether it's the local police or, or FBI, whoever, for someone to look into it. And, it. and like you pointed out, that's my biggest problem with it is that it hasn't been investigated. And so you can't, it, it's like, um, people are going to watch this and they're going to misinterpret what you're saying and what I'm saying. And they're going to say that we believe every, you know, that's what they want to do to be able to write this off. All I'm saying is I would like an official investigation so that we don't have to rely on kooks on the internet. Like right. I would like to see an investigation into this so that they can separate what's fact from fiction. Um, well, and as and Lindsay, P Lindsay Peterson points out in chat, Devil's Triangle in a yearbook was taken in the worst possible light by the media. Remember that? Remember yeah, Brett yeah. Kavanaugh? Devil's Triangle. Yeah. They went down every kind of rabbit hole for what that could possibly mean, how it could be a satanic sexual ritual, whatever thing. It's a thing. And here, here we have some stuff that's way more damning and disturbing than a Devil's Triangle comment in a yearbook from a high school. Um, it yeah. is... It is, it's disturbing. And I know you can say all you want that she's an artist. I'm not denying that she's an artist. That's fine. She's doing it for art. She still makes choices about what kind of art to do. And that's sick art. That is sick. That's disgusting. I don't like it. I'm not saying it should be illegal to do the art. I'm not saying that she shouldn't be allowed to do the art. I'm saying that is the art that comes from a <laughs> pretty depraved mind. That's where that yeah. art comes from. And and people enjoying that and going to parties where they're eating food designed to look like a person and they're cutting the person up and eating the flesh. They have cakes fake. made to look like naked, abused people and they eat the yeah. body. And that's this isn't conspiracy theory. That's just true. That's just what happened. There's pictures of it. So that's that's not something that the average American looks at and goes, yeah, that's just art. That's normal. That's something that the average person looks at and goes, what the hell are you doing? What kind of a mindset is that? And the fact that that is being ignored, I mean, that would be a sensational story. Imagine being in charge of any major media outlet. Imagine the, the clicks you would get. Imagine the views. It's a sensational, interesting story that would uh, you know, go viral. People would love it to hear all well, about this and do investigation. But do they do it? 
No. No. And actually, I'm glad they included in the documentary the clip from Project Veritas of the ABC reporter. Remember that, guys? Yes. The ABC reporter who was caught uh, on camera. You can watch her and hear her saying this on camera when uh, in a, when they were on a, a break or a pause. This wasn't supposed to air, but the footage was leaked. Project, Ver- Project Veritas put it out. And I forget her name, but she was the one um, bemoaning the fact that she, she was like, I had all this stuff. I had all this stuff on Epstein three years ago. We had the story. We had Bill Clinton. We had we had the the whole shebang, and they wouldn't let me air it, and they wouldn't let us put it. And now it's breaking. and 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 it's it's a really um, it's a really uh, uh, authentic bit of footage with this woman because what you see, what I see primarily from it, is someone who's just pissed that they didn't get to break a story. It's right. really not so much about her trying to convince anyone that all that stuff is true. It's just her being like, I had this and now this other person's getting the credit, you know? And so that's, that's her primary concern. And in the moment, it's not about um, trying to convince people of something that isn't real. It's just, you're seeing this very human reaction to uh, having a story and not being allowed by their boss to put it on the air. Um, and the Epstein stuff is like, yeah, like people have pointed out in chat, somebody said, you know, that would have seemed ludicrous until it finally broke, right. until it finally made its way out into the surface. And um, and so, yeah, I still think you guys watch it. Tell us what you think about it. I still think it's uh, it it's very broad. And so it 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 tries to pull in too much in one film. And I think it suffers from 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 uh, you know just trying to do too much, and so a lot of the connections between all these different things that it's touching on aren't obvious, and it doesn't try to it doesn't try to make the connection. It wants you to fill in gaps, and I think that's one of the negative things about it. And um, well, yeah. not negative, but one of my criticisms of it would be that it's just too broad, and there's too many gaps for people to fill in and that's too much for people to do like it's just overwhelming and yeah i, I mean i i don't disagree I that starting it. with hoax would be better um hoax because hoax doesn't get into that crazy weirdness it only gets into the fact that the media is lying um but the but you know by the way well you I, I just have to get up to get a book real quick because i see that tina fisk is in chat and I, and this relates to what we're talking about i'll be right back okay <laughs> Um, what I was going to say was, uh, you know, this, the other thing about this documentary that they talk about, and this is something that I I think part of the problem is it's very difficult. It's very difficult for the average person to, um, grapple with the reality of how much you're being lied to, um, because it is overwhelming. And, you know, it's something that I think you need to see time and time and time again in examples before you you finally are kind of willing to take the red pill, so to speak, or the black pill and step outside and realize, well, no, wait a minute, uh, there's something nefarious going on here and it has been for a long time. I and mean, one of the things they talk about is uh, they mention in this documentary that it was the CIA who came up with the term or at least popularized the term conspiracy theory to in- intentionally to debunk stuff. The CIA, um, you know, We've been made to believe that anything that people say about the CIA is like, we're allowed to say that they did weird things in the past, but if anyone who says that they still do crazy things is considered a conspiracy theorist. Um, and yet, as this documentary points out, 
they never even admitted to ending Operation Mockingbird, um, which was their their um, basically infiltration and control of of media in the U.S. If you look at, uh, you know, I I couldn't sleep on was it Friday night? I think it was Friday night or Saturday. Night. I think it was Friday night. I couldn't sleep, and I ended up. This is related. I I, I ended up uh, reading a very long document about the 1953 uh, coup in Iran. And this document included CIA activities. And and this is all documented. This isn't weird conspiracy stuff. This isn't anything any historian disagrees with. There was a propaganda campaign called um, Be Damn, I think. And uh, the CIA actively uses propaganda and false flags and... Uh, you know, they, they paid, uh, they paid people to pretend to be communists to march on, uh, the, the government. They, they promoted pop propaganda. They like, they, they do this all the time. And, and obviously that's in Iran and that's old. They do this around the world. Even today, they haven't ceased doing that. They've never said they've ceased doing that. They haven't even said they've stopped doing it in the U S they're not really supposed to quote, supposed to do it in the U S but they do. And they haven't really stopped. And they don't really even need to do it directly in the U.S. If they do it in the rest of the world, uh, it f basically gets taken into the U.S. So um, this the idea that that it's crazy to think that the CIA is connected to Hollywood, I don't think that they send, you know, I don't think it's an X-Files smoky room kind of thing where they send people in and say, you better do X, Y, and Z. But you better believe that the the heads of Hollywood, of which there are very few, there's very few people that own the entertainment industry, are totally tied in with the deep state. They all have shared agenda. They are shared. They're they're friendly with each other, and they do share information. CIA does to this day provide recommendations for things to talk about, or ways to write things, or ways to talk about things. Like it it happens, and it's not a conspiracy. It's just fact. And we like to believe that there couldn't possibly be anything that sinister happening, and that's just not true. There is something that sinister happening. And well, even today, it can. There's, uh, there are people who continually come out today and talk about, of, of course, that there are journalists on the CIA payroll. Yes. Like, well, of they cl they are. claimed they stopped paying them. They they claimed, I think, in wasn't it during the church hearings? They claimed that like they were only going to make suggestions now. I don't know. <laughs> But like that they well, it's them. up to the journalists to voluntarily decide to put out the CIA talking right, points. right. Yeah, they get to choose whether well, they get to choose in the past. But yeah, it's uh <laughs> that that to me again, that's something that I think if people if you were to have a documentary that just talks about the media and the CIA involvement and is much more focused, you could get people to pay attention then to that little part of it. Um, better than you can in when you put that something like that in this documentary that tries to encompass everything, you know. Mm -hmm. um, like I would like to see one that's just about the media and the CA. Yeah, and and there's been a lot. There's a long history with the media and the CA. And someone in in chat mentions China. I mean, yeah, the, the Chinese government, especially in relation to the corona the coronavirus stuff, they've been uh, deleting research. Uh, <laughs> in the, on their own uh, universities that put that um, paints China in a negative light. They've explicitly put out propaganda about 
uh, how China is doing a great job and, and gotten other people to, to uh, propagate it and talk about it nationally. Like China, this, the Communist Party does this all the time. And I think a lot of Americans have this view that like, well, that's the weird Chinese Communist Party. That's what communists do. America doesn't do that because we're shiny and great. Like, no, our government is better, but not much. In fact, one thing that I I, uh, I was lamenting the other day was, you know, at least in China, people don't trust the news because they know the government. They know. They yeah. know it. Here, <laughs> we, we all believe that it's not manipulated. So we're like, oh, well, we're not, at least we're not China. We're getting real news. No, you're not. No, you're no, not. You plug, you plug into the machine every day. I know people who I was I was talking with uh, my fella about this yesterday um, about just witnessing some friends on social media who are living in a in a twenty four seven level of fear and paranoia and hysteria and. Uh, specifically we were talking about some people who were living there because of the coronavirus, but it was making me think about people who were living there after Trump was elected. And I was one of those people who was plugged into the machine during the election. And uh, I also believed a lot of the narrative. Now I, I wasn't, I, you know, I, I cried the night he won and everything. I, that's how much I had bought into it. And, and when I first started to try to write about, my changing views on things. If I look back at some of that old writing, like I've changed a lot even since then, because I was still buying into, there were certain premises that I was still buying into. I was still calling him a demagogue, you know? Um, but I, but I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't bought into the degree that I had friends who weren't able to function for a while after he won. And so the fear that people, that people feel as a result of being plugged into the legacy media every day is very real. I'm not discounting the fear I get because you're, you're waking up every day and you're, you're plugging into the propaganda. And of course, of course some of those people are going to react hysterically um, because that's what they're, that's what they're consuming every day. And it's reinforced every day in their consciousness. Um, yeah. We, uh, is there a so, book you wanted to share related to this? I don't want to go straight too far away from what you were going to do just a minute oh, ago. Oh, no. I want to come back to that in a second. But uh, first, I wanted to – somebody – Elizabeth said in chat something like uh, – fella. Yeah, my fella. <laughs> no, Elizabeth said in chat that uh, – she says, I believe the CIA infiltrated to counteract the KGB infiltration, but at some point the cause is aligned. I think that's a pretty good – theory i mean it's a theory but i think see a lot of times people they discount so-called conspiracy theory because they imagine um they have this they have this false view of what you're talking about and that false view is a smoky room and you know these bad guys who are pulling strings and that's not that's not what it is it's a lot of it, a lot of it is just, uh, it's like a school of fish. If the narrative is moving in a certain direction, not every fish has to be aware of the same thing They're but they're in they the only have to together. be aware of their colleagues and what they're doing. They only have the to be direction. aware of their colleagues. Yeah. And, yeah. and you have, uh, the same way that in like, look at middle school girls, the same way that there are certain rules, social rules, unspoken rules that people follow 
the media, they're all going to follow this. Chris Cuomo standing on CNN and telling us falsely that it's illegal for us to read the WikiLeaks emails. It's not like some guy in a smoky room calls Chris Cuomo and is like, hey, we don't want him reading those emails. You know, it, it, there's, there's not that conscious bad guy figure, and that's not what anyone's saying. But Chris Cuomo is part of the system. Well, and I would argue and, that it's worse than having a guy call because the guy doesn't need to call. That's what yeah, makes it the worse. Guy, they, yeah, the they're doing this to, to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think a lot of times, you know, uh, the the reason why. Well, look, here's a good example of how this in the in the in this documentary it talks about how, um, like you said, can, the CIA put out and push the phrase conspiracy theory to try to discredit any investigation into Kennedy's assassination. And so they try to make it look ridiculous and like a bunch of nut jobs. And, and that phrase has successfully taken root where when somebody says, Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist now it's got this, it's immediately like, Oh, you know, you wear a tinfoil hat, you know, that's you something may dismiss that someone, everything you hear yeah, after that. Yeah. You may dismiss everything now because I've used the conspiracy theory word against you. Um, and that's been successful with that that phrase. So here's an example. I just want to. This happened to me uh, yesterday on social media. In in regards to the virus, one of the things I was talking about is the fact that the rest of the country is not New York City, and there are reports coming out of multiple states that hospitals are not being overwhelmed the way they are in New York City. Um, you have doctors and nurses who have time to not just film TikTok videos, but to choreograph the dance moves and then film them. <laughs> uh, you have hospital workers who are telling us on Twitter that they've been laid off, even respiratory technicians saying, I've been laid off for the next two months. Um, there are news reports coming out. MUSC just laid off 900 hospital workers. In Boston, they're laying off hospital workers. And so I was trying to have a conversation about even if you support the government shutdown, which I never did and I don't, um, but even if you support it, can't you admit that New York City is not like the, the rest of the country is not New York City. And so this should be evaluated on a local basis and that some of these local governments need to reopen. And there was a guy who's been arguing with me who I would say is squarely one of the farm animals in that camp. He's been arguing me for a couple days. And so twice now, when I've tried to talk about this, he will post something that's uh, where he posts a string of things I'm not even that familiar with. I, I assume these are all different conspiracy theories. And he'll say, oh, yeah, but why don't you just keep talking about uh, 5G networks and vaccines? And and then, like, he'll say a bunch of other things I'm not talking about. <laughs> I'm like, And that's his way of saying you're a conspiracy theorist. Even if I'm not aware of what those individual conspiracy theories are that he's trying to accuse me of that I haven't pushed and I haven't been talking about, I'm not talking about vaccines. I'm not talking about 5G networks. I'm not talking about whatever else he was putting in there, Bill Gates or whatever. Um, that's his way of saying you're a nut job. You're in the same group as these people, right? right. And, you know, th that it's just a way of, of dismissing someone and dismissing anything that they have to say. Well, it's a way of avoiding critical thought because the truth is a lot of this stuff is way more complex than um, than people want to um, than people want to admit. And you know, 
this theory that I forget, I think you said Elizabeth said this theory in, in chat about uh, the KGB and and the CIA, you know, fighting against each other and that then aligned. Look, I mean, of course their interests are eventually aligned because all deep states have the same interest. Like once you're part of a, a bureaucracy, you're part of a powerful bureaucracy that controls the population in some way. And like, and you can do it for good, right? If you're, if you're, and I'm putting good in quotes for those of you only listening. Um, if you are the CIA, you can do it and, and you can justify it by saying, well, we don't want the people to be convinced of communism because there's communist propaganda. So we have to counter the communist propaganda and blah, blah, blah. So we need to have our own way of controlling people's minds. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, you are a, an untouchable, you're part of an untouchable bureaucracy that's not accountable to anyone else. And you are, um, it is in your best interest, it is in your vested interest to make sure that you continue to exist and continue to have power and grow. And the KGB, the CIA, they, as organizations, I'm not saying the individual people in them, I'm sure that there are individual people in the CIA who believe in America and individual people there were in the KGB that believed in communism. But as organizations, they don't really care what political system is in power, as long as they're part of it. Right, as long as as long as they get to function and do the things that they do, and their budgets grow and their power grows, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to them who's actually steering the ship. So long as it's on the ocean and they're and, and it's the ocean they want, and they're they've got a big piece of it. Like that's all they care about. Um, and so, all bureaucracies, to some extent, have uh, all government bureaucracies, to some extent, have in innate alignment of values because they all value uh, their own propagation, which is why globalism is kind of a natural evolution of large states, right? You start to get those bureaucracies talking to each other, and it's like, well, maybe we should add another level of bureaucracy on top of our bureaucracy and call the European Union, and then we'll have, I mean, soon we'll have more bureaucracy on top of that, and like, they just want more and more and more and more power, um, and and again, it's the school of fish analogy that Kerry was using. It's not the smoking man from the X-Files calling them and doing this. This is just in their self-interest. Um, thank you to Noah in chat. Noah points out that the U.S. rescinded the laws prohibiting CIA propaganda on the U.S. citizens in 2013. I do vaguely remember that. Um, I didn't remember the year, but thank you for pointing it out. Uh, Noah says he's posted links uh, on our timeline about it, so we'll check it out. But yeah... Um, the CIA is allowed to use propaganda on on U.S. citizens. So, um, thank you for for bringing that up. Well, and I mean, look, just look at recently what we've learned. Um, one of the things that stuck with me, and again, we live in such a, a crazy twenty four hour news cycle um, that that things just get lost down the memory hole, and there's no attention paid to them, and even I forget certain things. And one one of those things that um, I thought would have been bigger news at the time was when Trump, remember when Trump unsealed some of the Kennedy assassination documents? And one of the things in there that I found the most startling that I just, I was like, why isn't the media talking about this? But of course the media is not talking about it because they, why would they talk about uh, this something that makes the CIA portrays it in a negative light it was the it was the revelation that um that that the cia had planned a false flag operation where they were going to bomb a city in florida i'm forgetting which one but you guys can go look this up 
it was in the, the some of the release documents from that that uh, Trump released about the Kennedy assassination. Anyway, the CIA was planning to bomb a U.S. city in Florida and blame it on Castro, yep. so that they could then take in some other action that they wanted to take. And it was like for me that was mind boggling, or it, it opened my eyes to so much. It's like they were willing to kill American citizens so that they could get this outcome that they wanted, and they probably felt was justified. And just like with any kind of evil. I think a lot when people a lot of people when they commit evil they believe that they're doing it for good reason or good intent and there's some way that they can justify it right um but they were going to kill US citizens and then blame it on Castro and that was did you guys remember this in the news did, was the mainstream media talking about it no right I mean, a great way to see how the CIA operates is to read about, because there is stuff that you can read about how they've operated in the past in other countries. Um, in fact, the uh, 1953 Iranian Revolution is one of the ways you can read about it. Um, <clears throat> they're more open with what they've done in other countries. You got to assume, given that they are allowed to operate in the U.S., and they have a much bigger vested interest in the United States behaving the way that the CIA needs, CIA needs it to than they do Iran behaving in a certain way. Uh, of course, they're doing all that stuff. Um, and 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 we know this, and there have been whistleblowers. One of the whistleblowers was in this documentary. So, um, yeah, I mean, the thing I actually... So, all right, I want to I wanna bring up something else because after I watched this documentary, Carrie, uh, I then saw that Microsoft was doing an ad with Marina Abramovich. <laughs> and what? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like I sometimes so this is one of the things that again, atheist speaking here. Uh so I'm not saying that there's spiritual stuff happening, but Satanists I apparently believe that they need to say they need to like somehow like wink and nod to what they're doing. They need to kind of be truthful about it publicly. Um I guess I, I don't know if there's a Satanist expert in chat. Let me know. But I think they need they need to let... I've heard this before, not just from this documentary. They need to kind of let you know what they're doing. And so they try and do it in creative ways where they, they put messages out and, and whatever. Um, so, yeah. So they... Here we are. Um, and that ad, when I was prepping for the show last night, that ad was up on YouTube. That ad has been taken down. It's no longer on YouTube. But... Carrie. Oh, did you? Did guess you what we that? have, Carrie. I, I love that you're like the same way I collect uh, manifestos, just because I'm like, in case they get put down the memory hole, you collect these. Like, <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is actually someone else had collected it, and I've collected theirs before theirs got taken down. But here we go. Let's just watch it, or at least part of it. That's her. I can't hear it. Should I be able to hear it? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I probably have the thing muted. Take two, here we go. Sorry about it. this is what you get when you watch live. I believe that art of the future is art without objects. It's just pure transmission of energy between the viewer and artist. To me, mixed reality is this answer. This was a unique opportunity to take the most legendary artists working now and capture them in such a way that they are translatable forever. 
if you're a collector, you're trying to find works that break new ground. We here at Christie's so that this one is, one thing uh, I'm actually concerned about, Carrie, the first time that a mixed reality because this artwork. is no longer up. It used to link to. I think the link was Microsoft's website. I'm watching this. I'm a little bit concerned that it's fake. That someone faked it because it could like you could fake an ad like this. But I, if anyone yeah, knows, could. please tell me because the links that I've seen, there's been articles about this and the links that I've seen actually looked like they originally linked to Microsoft's site, but it's not there anymore. And it's also not on YouTube. So it, but Microsoft hasn't made a statement saying they haven't done this. Is sold at auction. There was always question what you buy when you buy performance. You buy the video or you buy the edition of photographs. Here, you actually can have the artist presence in your collection. The first thing that we had to figure out was you had to feel that you were in the room with Marina, not a document of Marina. So HoloLens 2 was created by people who quite clearly have an interest in the audience forgetting that they are using technology. So the purest expression of artistic intent can happen. I really want viewer to be with me in the space in here and now. The life is dealing with what we, is mean, going to stay you want to keep watching it or not, it's not that Well, uh, yeah, you can you can pause it. Uh, so, this to me, wait, can, I think I think you're right. I, I have watched... a theory that's mixed. I think it's actually mixed. I don't think I'm completely right about it. I think that they did do an ad with her, but someone has added images into the ad that weren't yes. in the original ad, and they've now taken the ad down. That's my yes, theory. Because because there's a wink and a nod, but then there's like, this is more than a wink and a nod. They just showed that image of her covering the kids. I don't think they would be that overt. I think somebody created this. Yeah, and I don't somebody, think they would put the spirit cooking image in there either, right? No, so. I, no, somebody's trying to wake people up by adding, you know, I, I don't think this is a real Microsoft ad. That's just me, but... No, no, I so I, I just said what my theory is, right? Like, I think they yeah. probably did do an ad with her, although I'm not even totally sure about that, so I'd love to, to hear. But um, there's a reason, there's another reason I wanted to bring that up. Uh, aside from that little ragamuffin, thank you, uh, gave us $5 to wear tinfoil hats the next show. Um, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, by the way, we should just, real quick, because chat's been moving so fast. Thank you guys for the super chats. Noah gave us five bucks. Um, oh, Tina Ninja gave us Kitty. four. Yeah. Ninja Kitty said 83 people watching and only a small amount of likes. Yes, please like the video if you're in chat. Um, thank you for the super chat, Ninja Kitty. 83 people watching, by the way. That's cool. I'm excited by that. Um, yeah. And then Tina Fisk gave us four. Um, I do want to, at some point, I'm uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, and uh, but I uh, I do want to come back to something I wanted to say about Tina Fisk later. Something okay. good. No, no, that's fine. I just wanted to, there's a reason I wanted to bring it up, even if that ad isn't real. Um, because I want okay. to, because I, because a, um, whether or not Microsoft did an ad with her at all, um, she is accepted by the mainstream community quite a lot and, and they do it under the guise of she's an artist, which fine. Okay. So she is an artist. Still weird. Um, I don't understand something that this will put me uh, at odds with a lot of people who are, have been on board with most of the stuff we've been saying so far. I don't understand all the hatred for Bill Gates. There's been a lot of like, Bill Gates is like patented the coronavirus vaccine. No, he didn't. Like the coronavirus is like, first of all, it's a whole family. There's like uh, the colds of coronavirus. He invested in a company that had some vaccines related to coronavirus stuff, but not this coronavirus. Like he's been doing, he left Microsoft to exclusively focus on um, health. Now, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff he's done. Don't get me wrong, but like, I don't, I don't, I don't get the, 
I don't get the the weird conspiracy Bill Gates stuff. Also, they there's I've heard, I've been reading conspiracies about like oh he wants to depopulate the the world like that's not what he said. He, people are claiming that he said vac- like vaccines are going to depopulate the world. I, I, there's so much nuance there that like if you didn't read what he actually wrote and then the video that he actually said about it and like what he means, it's all very clear. Like I don't think he's I don't think he's doing any of that stuff. Do I disagree with him about mandatory vaccines and little microchips implanted in everyone? Absolutely. Is he a globalist who I I don't want to have the power that he has? Absolutely. But he's not like, he's not trying to kill off the population. I really don't believe that. If you look at what he was saying, he he spent his entire philanthropic career career just about trying to um, save lives, like, quote, save lives. He, He was trying to uh, improve medicine, improve access to medicine, improve vaccin- vaccinations, which he believes are good um, generally, and um, and trying to save lives. And he and he also believes in climate change uh, in a in a major way, like a lot of people do. And so people came back to him and said, "Well, uh, if you increase the population, that will make climate change worse. And so you're doing all this work to save humans, and you shouldn't be doing work to save humans." And he said. Actually, we researched this, and it turns out a weird thing happens. The more healthcare you provide, the fewer kids people want to have. If they survive and they know they're going to survive, um, they actually have fewer kids, which is a weird phenomenon, but that's what's happening. And so if you look at countries where the standard of living has been raised and their access to healthcare goes up, their, their per capita child output goes down. And so his argument is, well, actually increasing the health of the world will ultimately decrease the acceleration, the the population growth of the world and will kind of even out eventually if we have better healthcare. You don't have to agree with any of that, but that was his rationale. And I see people running around like, Bill Gates is using vaccines to depopulate the world. Bill Gates has patented the coronavirus. Bill Gates is trying to kill people. Like, no, he's not. None of that. There's no evidence for that. You sound like a weird tinfoil hat wearing person when you say that. So I, I, I don't understand that. And I'm hoping that someone in chat or Carrie can explain to me why there's this weird hatred of Bill Gates. Uh, I can't explain it. I, it's one of those things I haven't looked into. Very, just that guy I mentioned earlier who was trying to call me a conspiracy theorist and mention a bunch of different things. Bill Gates was one of those things. And I have so little knowledge of why people hate him or whatever that I, that's why part of the reason it was funny that he was trying to attribute this stuff to me. I don't, I don't know. And I don't care. Right. Um, <laughs> and just and just so you know, people in chat are pointing out he wants to microchip people. Like, yes, I totally disagree with that. I think that's evil and bad and horrible. I get it, but it's different from uh, the claims that are being made. Like, that is a bad claim against Bill Gates, and that's a true claim against Bill Gates. Do I think it's evil intent? Probably not. He's probably just a, a globalist who thinks that uh, you know the best thing to do is control the herds and. Uh, there should be one world government and like he's no more evil than everyone else in the globalist one world government movement. I just, uh, what I'm pushing back on is these weird claims of like him intentionally trying to kill people and, you know, being involved in unleashing the coronavirus. I just don't see where that's coming from. And when you say stuff like that, it makes people dismiss all the other things that he's doing, which actually aren't great, but some great stuff that he's been doing as well. So, uh, it, things are just more nuanced than this. That's all. So um, in in chat, uh, people are talking about that artist. What's her name again? Marina. Uh, Marina Abramovich. Yeah, the spirit cooking lady. So yeah. Lydia likes her, and that's fine. 
I like when we have disagreement and unsafe space. So, um, but, but one of the things Lydia says is, you know, guys, she's really famous. I know she's really famous. That's kind of what's a little bit disturbing is that she is so well connected to not just the Podestas and lots of political figures, but well connected to tons of celebrities. And, you know, Lady Gaga has done these weird, like things with Lady Gaga where she sent her out into the woods naked and, um, it, she, she's heavily involved with Jay-Z and all these, like, like the, this one figure being so interconnected and I get that she's an artist and she's a famous artist, but the subject of her art, like, like, um, Dr. K says, um, in chat is, is very disturbing. And, and I, again, artist subjective It's just, uh, I don't, I like Dr. K says, I like, I tend to trust my gut when I'm looking at something. I don't find her art appealing or attractive. I find it to be the opposite. And, um, and the spirit cooking stuff in particular, the human cannibalism stuff where they're making cakes that look like naked human bodies and, and eating those cakes and doing, you know, that kind of stuff, the stuff with the blood painted on the wall, um, with the picture of Podesta eating the cake next to like that stuff is just, Gross. I'm sorry. It's, okay. it's gross. Right. And, and to be clear. I can, I can have an opinion about so-called art, right? Like, <laughs> Right. And to be clear, no one is saying, so uh, Lydia's saying, isn't what you're saying guilt by association? No one is using the word guilt. And and I want to make that, because there's everyone just drops nuance. Like you mentioned something, it's like, oh, you just want to throw people in jail. No. I want there to be an investigation. There's a lot of weirdness around the Pizzagate stuff. There's weird code words that we know have been used in the past to convict pedophiles of uh, and of trafficking children and abusing children. Like there are code words that are out there that are known by law enforcement that are used, and those code words appear in weird ways in Podesta emails. That's weird. That's weird. This the context of his art in this stuff. I get that it's art it's weird a an objective person would look at that and say it's at least worth digging into a little bit let's investigate it a little bit let's just not ignore it and say eh, it's art you know that's not that's not sufficient right you you look at it a little bit i'm not saying she should be in jail i'm not saying it, like i don't know i'm not i'm not accusing her of anything I, what i'm saying is in many other cases, and I actually think the Devil's Triangle uh, uh, example that I think it was Lindsay brought up earlier in chat for, with Kavanaugh is the best example uh, recently. With other things like that that are minor, the press and, quote, investigative journalism goes down a deep rabbit hole to try and connect to something and figure out and vet it. Like, could this possibly be true? Could this be related to anything nefarious? They do the opposite with this stuff. And that's also a red flag. Why are they ignoring it? Why is no one actually looking at any of this? Because, by the way, Epstein was a convicted pedophile. And a lot of these same people were connected to Epstein. And a lot of these same people were on planes, Epstein's planes, to his pedophilia island. So... It's not like this stuff is like, 
here's an artist out on her own with a completely disconnected group of people doing some weird satanic shit, and suddenly we think that they're related to this thing over here. No, they're all related to each other. Some of them we absolutely know for sure are engaged in bad behavior. And this looks very weird, and there's weird emails going around with some code words in them. That's worth an investigation. That's all anyone is saying. It's not guilt by association. It is investigation by association. And that's legitimate, right? If I had been on Epstein's plane 20 times, you should be investigating me, no matter what art I'm doing. That's uh, what Thank you for the super chat, Noah. He says, did you guys catch the recent talk by Eric Weinstein about Jeffrey Epstein? He was positing that he was a government asset for blackmail power games. I haven't seen that yet. I want to watch it now. Um, and and I absolutely believe he was a government asset for That's blackmail power theory. games. That's a common theory. That's a common theory about him. Well, yeah. because because this is what and they they touch on this in the documentary, but we've talked about it before. The easiest way to control people is to get some type of dirt on them, to get them in an uncompromising position, to get it on film, and then you have that over their heads. And so that's how a lot of the, you know, they even in the movie they talk about like like Cindy Cindy McCain, John McCain's wife, is in the documentary on a stage talking about how they all, she says, we all knew about Jeffrey Epstein. Right. We all knew and nobody did anything. Well, it's like, yeah, you didn't do anything either. You did nothing. And your organization is supposed to be about ending uh, child sex abuse. So they all knew. Why does nobody do anything? Because they have dirt on everyone. Um, if you look at Ronan Powell, and I haven't read the book yet. I just, I read an article about it. So um, take that as you will. But I read an article about uh, Ronan Farrow's new book. And in the book, he talks about how um, they, one of the networks, I think it was NBC, killed the Weinstein story, the Harvey Weinstein story. And how did they squash it? Well, someone from Clinton's camp, wasn't it for someone from Clinton's camp? They had someone from Clinton's camp call the network and say, well, we have this dirt on Matt Lauer. Do you want that to come out? You know, like there's, it's always like this sort of, well, if you reveal this, then this is going to be revealed. And it's, it, it, of course they have, of course they have things on people. Um, I don't doubt that for a second that Epstein was used to get dirt on other people. Yeah. Um, um, D so Daniel I Taylor and hold on, Daniel, Daniel Taylor in chat points out the Microsoft connection is that Microsoft Hololens Two is the VR product through which Abramovich's latest installation is viewed. So that makes sense why they would do a commercial with her because she's a famous artist. She used the Hololens Two um, to um, as part of her her latest piece. So. They would, of course, make a video. I do think the video that we just did was, doc uh, was doctored. I was using it more as a segue to talk about Microsoft. <laughs> but yes, uh, I, I do think the video that we just watched is at least edited to add some stuff in there. Um, probably because uh, people are freaked out that Microsoft has a relationship with her. Now, <clears throat> but this is getting back to kind of what Carrie and I were saying earlier, which is when legitimate sources don't investigate, or legitimate investigators don't investigate, when, when mainstream doesn't investigate, you're left trying to sort through kind of crazy and people who are making these connections and sometimes um, going too far. So, uh, Carrie, okay. sorry, go ahead. That's okay, Tiger, the mailman's here. And by the way, Texas is really, well, where I'm at is really cold today. It's super hot yesterday, very cold today. And so Tiger, look, he's, when he wears this sweater, he looks like he owns a yacht. He does. <laughs> anyway, sorry, he interrupted. Um, 
Can I can I get a little bit off subject for one second? It is related though. It's just yeah, going to yeah, take yeah. us in a different direction. No, go ahead. So, uh, one of the our friends in chat, Tina, um, sent me some books about um, uh, what's orthodox, like Christian orthodoxy. I guess specifically like Russian orthodoxy, which I don't know anything about. And it's these short little books. And I was reading, I was reading them yesterday and I got really, I just had a moment of feeling uh, pretty inspired and like every once in a while, I don't know if this works this way for other people, but I will have something that I, that happens to me that I read or that um, something that really resonates with me or some kind of uh, window that opens up to me in terms of being able to see something differently and understand something differently and more thoroughly. And it feels like, Oh, I just, I just jumped ahead like several steps, right? Like in personal development or in your, if you're a Christian in your relationship with God or in your quest for truth or, or whatever it is, maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you can't. Um, And then there'll be a period of not necessarily stagnation, but just like the stasis, where things are kind of the same and you're not really, you don't really feel like you're moving um, forward very quickly. And then something else will happen. So it'll be like these, these periods of stasis punctuated by something that helps me understand something better. And so I had this moment yesterday reading these books. Thank you, Tina, for sending this to me. And um, the way that, the way that, the, the way that it relates back to what we're talking about is at the beginning of this documentary, part of the reason I was surprised you sent it to me, Carter, was it it was I didn't realize it was made by the the stunt man that we see at the beginning. Um, and he starts talking about how he so he he went through this physical he he did he break his back? He went through a, like a really catastrophic back. Yeah, he injury. broke I think he broke he had like a lower spine injury and he said he was paralyzed from the waist down. Um, I th- and he was sitting in a chair the whole time, so I think so. But then there was clips of him walking, but I don't know if those were old or if he yeah. had physical therapy and got better. I don't know. So he, he was physically broken. Um, he person personality wise, I would say he, he was, he was broken in other ways. He was trying to, he was reevaluating everything. And he's, he starts talking about becoming a Christian at the beginning of the video. That again, that's why I was like, wait, what is this? Is this going to be the lens through which we, the, we view the documentary, which I don't think it was actually, but he talks about the beginning and he says, you know, I didn't find God by going to a church. Um, and, and you know, that he found God by by being in this very broken place. And, um, and so that made me think of this book I was reading yesterday, which spoke to me because it, it kind of, uh, we haven't really talked about a lot about on Deprogrammed how as I left my SJW ideology, the, the lens through which I had viewed the world for so long, I also was undergoing simultaneously this kind of spiritual um, transformation as well. We don't really talk about it a lot because in part because I still don't understand it fully. But, um, but when my uh, views and opinions on things started changing, I had a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in years who was in New York who's Hindu who reached out to me online and was like, Hey, can I talk to you? It seems like you're undergoing a spiritual awakening. And I was like, really? <laughs> Cause I hadn't really posted about very much spiritual. I don't think. So we started talking 
And it did. These things kind of coincided. And um, it's been hard for me to un- untangle some of that. But can I, I just read, Carter, this one little section of this book? Is that okay? This is important sure. to me. Okay. Sure. I, sure, I know yeah. you're like, I've, you're like, read, where I've read books before on air. Go ahead. Okay. You're like, where are we going with this? So this book is really interesting. It's uh, by Father Seraphim Rose. It's called God's Re- Revelation of the Human Heart. And it's a speech that he gave at UC Santa Cruz in 1981. And in it, he's talking about Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who we've talked about before in the podcast. Um, but he also, uh, he he's talking about um, this guy who I'd never heard of before, Yuri uh, Mashkov. And this guy who was thrown also into a prison, into a concentration camp, into a prison camp for trying to start with his friends, an underground newspaper. And, um, and that guy starts to talk about his conversion. And so this part was just interesting to me. And, and if you're not a Christian, maybe it'll just be interesting to Maybe you, you view me as having fallen into just another ideology or whatever, but maybe this will uh, uh, be interesting anyway. So at the beginning, he says, um, conversion takes place when something in the heart is touched, when the heart begins to burn at being in contact with God revealed truth. Before this can take place, however, the person often has to feel an absence of truth and to actually experience suffering as a result of this want, like the want for truth, right? People in the affluent Western world often have this feeling of spiritual torment suppressed from their consciousness. So occupied are they with physical comforts and stimulations. In countries where people are deprived of freedom and comfort, on the other hand, the spiritual hunger of man becomes more immediate and desperate. And um and so then later he's talking about this guy that was thrown into the prison camp, Yuri Mashkov. And so even though they were thrown into this labor camp because they were dissidents and they didn't they didn't like being fed propaganda um, uh, in the Soviet Union and they were trying to start an underground newspaper and they got thrown into prison camp, they were still Marxists and they were still they still believed in the ideology. And so he says. Um, <clears throat> All of us then were atheists and Marxists of the Euro-communist camp. That is, we believe that Marxism in itself was a true teaching which leads the people to a bright future and to a kingdom of freedom and justice. And that the Moscow criminals, for some reason, just didn't really want to realize this teaching in life. Um, In the concentration camp, this idea completely and forever died in all of us. Um, And so he goes on to talk about this guy and he says, he lost faith in what he had once believed through his training, that communism is an idealistic teaching that brings happiness and peace. So see, that happened to me. This is why this resonated with me. I was like, I first, what happened is that I lost faith in my SJW ideology, that it was, I lost faith that it was an idealistic belief system that wanted to end racism and sexism and to bring about this ideal world. Um, And then he says, he saw that in practice, communism was not what it claimed to be. That's also what I saw to be true. Then something began to happen to his soul, Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He goes, the process of spiritual rebirth has two stages. At first, we discern the essence of Marxism and are freed from any illusions with regard to it. Under a profound and thoughtful analysis, we discover that Marxism in its, in its essence is a complete teaching of totalitarianism, that is, an absolute slavery, and any communist party in any country, once having undertaken the realization of the Marxist program, will be compelled to repeat what the Moscow communists have done and are doing, 
or else renounce Marxism and atheism and liquidate themselves. Having understood this simple truth, we lose the ideological basis on which we had opposed Marxist slavery. We fall into a spiritual vacuum, which draws after it an ever profounder crisis. Um, and so then he goes on to talk about the second stage, which is where he hit the, like the nihilism thing that we talk about, which is he's like, why am I living? If I'm living in this concentration camp and this is all I have to look forward to, like he's in this place of, of brokenness, right? And of suffering. And he says, what am I living for if there is no way out? And when this frightful moment comes, each of us feels that death has caught him by the throat. If some kind of spiritual answer does not come, life comes to an end. Because without God, not only is everything permitted, that's like postmodernism, right? A belief in everything. Um, but life itself has no value and no meaning. I saw in the camp how people went out of their minds or ended with suicide. And I myself clearly felt that if, after all, I came to the firm and final conclusion that there is no God, I would simply be ob obliged to end with suicide, since it is shameful and belittling for a rational creature to drag out a senseless and tormenting life. Um, and so then he, he struggles because he's, he's struggling with this question of to be or not to be. And he says he really wanted to have faith in God, but he didn't. He had an absence of faith. And, and, and so um, and then he talks about what he calls the miracle in his life, the moment at which for him he had he was he had a conversion experience where he can't explain it rationally. He's like, <clears throat> I call this moment the greatest miracle because this precise knowledge and he's talking about the knowledge that God exists, the, no the knowledge that there's something greater than us that we can't quite understand. He says, I call this moment the greatest miracle because this precise knowledge came to me not through reason, I know this for sure, but by some other way, and I'm unable to explain this moment rationally. Um, and last thing I'll say, he says, when he's talking about um, conversion, he says, something happens in the heart and while suffering helps this transformation, there is no infallible means of achieving it. And he gives some examples of other people in the labor camps who did not have a conversion experience, who even though they were experiencing the same suffering, who like it led them more to nihilism. And um, and I, anyway, this book, maybe if there's any other people who have left SJW ideology and who are trying, maybe they're undergoing some type of spiritual transformation at the same time and they're trying to understand how those two things are related or or why they became consumed with i became consumed with wanting to understand purpose and meaning and um and and that this might be interesting to you too especially the parts about like about about suffering being an opportunity i'll put it that way um and in this documentary i'll relate it back to the documentary I heard him saying the same thing that he was in a place of brokenness and that was the opportunity for him to, in his opinion, maybe people don't agree, but in his opinion to, for God to find him, for him to hear God. So thank you for letting me talk about this. I know it's probably, you're probably totally the way I am when you talk about economics. You're yeah, probably my eyes, totally I'm all, huh? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Thank no, you. I, it's um, it reminds me of the book *Man's Search for Meaning* by Viktor Frankl, which is um, oh, I probably shorter than whatever Carrie is reading and uh, easy to read. Uh, I do recommend it. Um, it's a good one. It's about uh, Viktor Frankl was was in a Nazi concentration camp, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is why I believe that religion and philosophy are closely related. In fact, I well, not even just closely related. <laughs> 
they occupy the same space in your brain. So uh, you can't actually, um, they're, they're overlapping in many ways. So if you, if you trash your fundamental ideology, um, it's not surprising that it will have uh, a major impact on you spiritually, um, which I can use in quotes as an atheist. Uh, yeah, it's, um, and, and I've said this before, but I, we have new people to the channel. Most atheists suck. Most atheists are state theists, <laughs> right? Um, and I know I, and I'm, yes, I'm an atheist, but uh, most atheists, uh, they, they throw away one religion for another. They throw away uh, whatever religion it was, usually Christianity in the West. <clears throat> they throw away that religion and uh, they instead basically deify the state and and they everything comes becomes about politics for them and right and wrong become what's enacted in law and the way to do anything or accomplish anything becomes uh, through the state they become hegelian philosophically and uh or they be just become nihilists and and um which is also horrible uh so they become their own form of ideologues and uh i don't think it's very common that there are atheists like me like i don't think there's a lot of atheists like i know a couple in chat actually um but usually usually they they get excited about the state and the state replaces that you know and they just instead of worshiping god they worship the state and uh i don't know how that's better well, dr k also, asks wait go ahead sorry Carrie. Well, i was gonna uh, say Carrie. carter you um have never uh we we disagree on something very fundamental this this is not just a policy position, difference of opinion or whatever. We disagree on something that Super does, that's very fundamental, that's mm -hmm. like a building block for the way that we each look at the world. We also have a lot in common with how we look at the world. And um, and to your credit, like you said, like you're not the type of atheist who's ever denigrated my faith or made me... Um, like, I don't feel like a need to argue it with you. And I'm not trying to convince you of anything. And you're not trying to convince me of anything. And that's a mutual respect there that I really appreciate. Because I also have other atheist friends. I have one in particular I'm thinking of who um, he's almost, I, I can't really tell, but I think it's like, I think it's like my belief bothers him. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's as if it's a judgment of his of his belief or his lack of belief or what. Yeah. And it's not. Um, yeah. But I think he views me, just the fact that I have these beliefs as some kind of a cha challenge for him to try and tear them down. And, um, and, you, and that's never, I've never felt that with you. And I hope you don't feel like I'm, we joke that I'm trying to win you over to the side of Christianity. Like you're trying to turn me into an anarcho-capitalist, <laughs> but. <laughs> I would prefer, I mean, as long as you're an anarcho-capitalist, I'm not going to push on your religion at all. Uh, <laughs> I got to give you uh, an out. Just go this direction, Carrie, and the other direction is fine. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, just to be clear, I used to be—I uh, used to call myself an evangelical atheist. I used to be one of those people that needed to um, go out and argue with Christians. And it's easy to find Christians who want to argue with atheists. Like, there's a whole group of people who really want to convince each other, and they can argue for years online about the same thing over and over again. Um, so I did have that mentality for a while, but, uh, what I came to realize was that a couple things, one, and I think this is the most important thing, 
there's nothing special about atheism. It's not a belief system. Atheism is not a belief system. Um, it's a nothing. It's a nothing. It's a. It's like saying I, I don't believe in this thing out there. Like, you're an atheist when it comes to uh, Allah or whatever. Like every religion, you're not. You're an atheist when it comes to Zeus. Like, it's not a defining characteristic. It's not enough to base a philosophy on. It's not enough to build your life about. It doesn't provide you any guidance. And if you stop there, it's easy to become a nihilist or get or get glob onto some other ideology that just provides answers for you. Um, so, uh, you know, when I when I when I really thought about it, and I realized, like, okay, atheism doesn't actually mean it doesn't give me anything. I don't get anything out of being an atheist. It's just it's just like here's a thing I don't believe. Now what? You can't structure your life off of a thing you don't believe. It doesn't it doesn't it's meaningless. Um, so then the question's like, oh, how do we structure our lives? That's a hard question. Oh, where do truths come from? How do I decide what's moral? Oh, God, those are really big questions. <laughs> wow, that's something I we got to struggle with. And um, I don't think they're unanswerable, and this is not the, the conversation I'll have. I'm not going to go into my belief system. But uh, what I will say is I... Uh, a new respect for Christianity emerged after I went through that process, which is why I don't try and convince you. Um, and, and that respect was based on the awareness that throughout all of history, mostly there's been some kind of religion. I mean, let's just, you know, um, e even if you go back to, you know, uh, pre-man, right? Like there's been mystical beliefs about the way the world works before we understood how the world works. People prayed to the clouds for rain and they prayed to the moon for this and the sun for that. And but like they, they mystified everything cause they didn't have an understanding. So the, some version of religion has is around and actually has been the default. It's been the norm for almost every culture around the planet for all of history. And I started to view, I think much like Jordan Peterson does, I, mean, I don't want to get his views wrong, but I think he shares this with me. Um, I, I started to view Christianity or all religions as a way, as a meme transport mechanism, an intergenerational meme transport mechanism. Like, okay, we've heuristically figured out some ways that work for our living, and we're going to pass them on to our children, and we have to have a way to describe them. And we really haven't developed deep philosophy. We don't really know how to describe them, but we know they work. And we're not sure why they work, but we know they work. And um, here's some explanations. And what I think about Christianity in particular is that while, of course, there has been some destruction caused by Christianity, I'm not going to deny that. Um, often that, especially modern days, that destruction is overblown in many ways. Uh, especially, you know, you look at like people always blame the Crusades, which were predominantly a reaction to Muslim aggression. Um, so, like, there's there's an overblowing of of the damage done by Christianity, but uh, but Christianity also was the basis for a lot of more modern Enlightenment type thinkers, uh, even 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 the Deists who uh, maybe weren't as devout, but they they brought with them Christian tenets that helped construct Western civilization. So, like John Locke, right? Um, and the idea of natural law, like they weren't atheists that came up with these ideas and they were built on one thing Christianity brought in was a respect for the individual, partly because, um, the Holy Spirit was in each individual and therefore there was some divine sanctity of life within individuals that other religions didn't necessarily 
share. Um, the divine right of kings was torn down partly by through Christian arguments. So um, I think Christianity was a set of heuristics that served humanity pretty well for a pretty long time. And by the way, uh, I wouldn't say solely responsible for the founding of America because there's been other Christian countries and they are not America. So obviously something else was involved in the founding of America. And I think that's the Enlightenment thinkers uh, that I just mentioned, but at least partially responsible for the founding of America. And uh, Christianity should get credit for that. And in modern times, most people are facing an alternative between Christianity and uh, maybe there's three main options that people see. Christianity or reject it and be a complete nihilist or a Marxist. Well, uh, I would, if, if those are the choices people see, uh, please choose Christianity. Um, I would much <laughs> rather live in, in, in that world because Marxism uh, basically almost as explicitly evil of a philosophy as you get. And nihilism uh, is basically the worst nature has to offer. <laughs> nihilism is like every bad thing that could possibly happen in nature, just do it. Nothing matters. It's like it reduces us to, to the state of animals. Um, so uh, none, neither one of those are good. So I, I am an advocate, and we are going to have a show at some point with uh, Julianne Davis because she really, she and I have had hours and hours of conversations about religion. <laughs> um, she wants to have a conversation. She really wants to convince me. But um, yeah, see, I don't really want to convince you, I know, but I, I, I just want to be a part of an interesting conversation. So I want to be in that conversation too. No, no, I, I, I know, right? And so uh, I'm not, I'm not saying that you want to want to convince me, but Julie, Julianne does. But anyway, <laughs> like I, I, you know, those are the options, and. I think that there is a another option there, um, but it's not trivial to communicate. I'm not. I've not figured out a way to trivially communicate it. Um, I don't actually think it's that complex. I have actually. That's not true. I can trivially communicate it to children. I like my daughter's an atheist, um, and same moral code that I have. Uh, and that's relatively easy. What's hard is penetrating other belief systems in order to explain it. So, um, you know, but I don't, I don't care because frankly, I, my goal for like, if I die in, if, if the move, if the world moves so far, it progresses so far that when I die, we are the, the most important argument is me arguing with Carrie about whether Jesus was the son of God and whether God exists, like that's a win because right now there's so much else to argue about. It's like, it's like when I say I'm an anarchist, like, yeah, okay, I'm an anarchist, but like I'll, I will, if the, uh, <laughs> I just want the derivative on government to turn negative for the mathematicians out there. <laughs> like, I just want, I just want the curve to go down. I just want the, and the second derivative too would be great, but even just the first derivative down, like I just want government to get smaller. If if my if on my deathbed I got to argue about whether we should have a tiny government or no government, that's a win for me. I don't like <laughs> fine, we can have that discussion. It's not important. What's important is that we don't have an ever expanded giant totalitarian government and we don't have nihilism and we don't have marxism. Like those are the big enemies. We can argue over the nuance later, but right now I think we are fighting a a battle that is enormous and possibly for the future of all of humankind. So um, 
trying to convince Christians that actually stop doing this, skip over Marxism and nihilism because that's tough, and then come over here with me over here. Like, it's just not helpful. Yeah. Well, <sighs> thank you for Sorry, I wasn't, that was longer than I wanted no, it to No, I appreciate it. And people in chat appreciate it. And I think, um, I think, you know, some people, th this is not boring conversation to me. I'll put it, this stuff fascinates me. And, um, and I like talking about it with you because you always give a different perspective than what I have. But there are things that you say that resonate with me. And, and I think, I think people in chat are interested in this stuff too. So and everybody, and everybody in there disagrees. There's people piping up and saying, I'm an atheist, I'm a Christian, I believe this. Somebody says, um, uh, did you see the guy, who, was it Tame, said, looking for, uh, looking, meaning is self-derived. Seeking it from an outside source, be it religion or the state, is self-delusion. See, I disagree with that, Tame. I, I actually, and, and maybe that's why I have the, Maybe this is a this maybe this is a difference of opinion because of our fundamental beliefs, but um, it is just to be clear because I agree with Tame okay. on that statement. Like, absolutely. okay, so you agree with Tame? <laughs> well, I disagree yes. because um, self-derived meaning I think is ultimately um, it's it's not uh, it, it's only one type of meaning. Uh, Tim, it's been a while since I've watched this, but Tim Keller did a great talk, and you, people can find it on on YouTube where he talks about the different types of meaning. Uh, one being, I forget the word he gives to it, but I, I'm going to call it practical meaning, like meaning in your purpose and meaning in life in terms of, of maybe, maybe your purpose and meaning is having a career and, uh, be, you know, leaving some, leaving a legacy behind and doing a good job at whatever job it is that you do and being good provider for your family. Maybe these are all self-derived meanings that, that you have in your life. And those are true and good, but but there's another type of meaning and purpose that he calls, I think he calls it transcendental meaning and purpose. And that's what I became very, when I said earlier, I became consumed with meaning and purpose. I didn't mean like, what job should I have? And what should I be, you know, what, what, what uh, practical meaning can I derive out of my life? I meant something bigger than that. Like, what is the meaning of being? What, what is the purpose of life? And is, is there one? Do we have a soul? Like, those are those questions of being that I became kind of obsessed with those for a while. And yep. that was the beginning of me um, going down this, this path that I've been on, I guess I'd put it that way. So, and I do, I do believe that there, those are two distinct types of meaning, and both are well and good. It's just that my practical meaning and purpose and in terms of what I do with my individual life is, is not the same thing for me as transcendental purpose and meaning. Does right. that make sense? Yep. Um, I just want to low res boy in chat, uh, better described, uh, my view on that, which is self-derived, but pressed into its final form by reality, regardless of your whim. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound okay. like it's just like whatever you want. Like there are constraints, um, and I think one of the hardest things for people, regardless of where you, whether you're an atheist or um, a Christian, I think, or any other religion, I guess, I think um, one of the hardest things for people is the idea that uh, there isn't an answer to some of these big questions. I think that terrifies a lot of people, um, and so. Uh, but I like that there's not an an answer. That's what. 
faith is. I also, I've also becoming more comfortable with what this guy talked about in the book with suddenly knowing something, but not through reason. Now I know you and I are definitely going to disagree on that because reason. I think you're, you're, mis you're just mispronouncing the word feeling. No, it's not feeling. <laughs> it, it kind of is. No, because my of, feeling, feeling is flawed. No, it's not. <laughs> my feeling is really different than this other kind of knowing that I'm talking about. I don't know. Mm. I don't know how to explain it, but that's part of the point. I can't explain it, and I don't. I don't feel like I have to. So, anyway. Okay. Well, we we can have a debate about this later. Um, okay. I don't. I don't think this is where we need to go with this show. But I. I don't. I. I know it's. We should end it, Carrie. But I, we haven't even talked about some coronavirus stuff, which I think is important. Okay. To talk okay. About. But real quick, Noah says y'all need landmark education. No, we don't. I landmark. <laughs> no. If you Bite guys your are tongue, not... Noah. <laughs> is he joking? Because I think he's joking. Okay. I think he's joking. Uh, I'm in California, so I get landmark by proxy here i oh. got accidentally taken to here's my quick aside carter uh it's because it's kind of funny that I, I talk about it as like the time i accidentally got taken to a cult <laughs> <laughs> i had a friend who invited me to something and i thought this is when i was still living in la and i thought it was a women's book club i can't remember why i thought that i get you know lots of devices and emails and messages and whatever and i Something she said, I knew her from a feminist group I was in, and I thought I was going to a women's book club. And the day she picked me up, I had just gotten this, there was a big deal that had come through for one of my clients for a TV show. And so I was on the phone with lawyers and agents the whole way there. I didn't even get to talk to her. I was like, I'm sorry, this is super important. I was very rude, but I had to do these business calls. She picks me up. I'm like talking to them and she's quiet. I get in the car with her. We drive to this place. I'm on the phone the whole time. She and I don't talk. <laughs> Get out, get out of the car, still in the phone. We're in the lobby of this hotel. I'm still talking. I still haven't talked to her. Hang up on the business calls. And she's like, hey, I'm so glad you could. we finally talk. Get on the elevator. Go upstairs. And I walk into this huge auditorium full of people. And there's a woman on stage with a Madonna microphone. And we go and sit down. I'm like, this isn't a book club. And, we're, and we're sit I'm sitting there. And then I realize at some point, each of the people who are in Landmark has brought someone who's not and i was like oh i'm what i was brought by her <laughs> <laughs> did she get did, did she have the um did she have the landmark eyes the like uh, smile they have that smile and like yes. sparkly eye technique they try and use on you uh yes. it's it's good <laughs> and then they try to at the end get you to put down all this money for their courses right and and they do this thing where it's like if and they've already coached them on what to say because i was like i can't afford that right now and i might be moving to new york for this tv show thing and She's like, I'll put down the money for you and, you know, and then you can pay me back if, if you appreciate the court. It was like super <laughs> pre-planned. Anyway. Well, I um, Dr. K, uh, Dr. K was saying that, um, I guess she says there's some stuff there, uh, but it can go too far. She also mentions there's even stuff with early Scientology is actually quite helpful. But then it gets culty. She says, uh, look, I mean, of course that's true. Of course. All these cults, all the weirdness, they all have to start with something that has some, that resonates somehow with reality or else you're not going to, they can't start with like, Xenu the Overlord injected people with antifreeze millions of years ago and that's created, like that's what the Scientologists <laughs> believe, but they're not going to start with that. They're going to be like, your personality is a little, you're a little bit shy and you're like, oh yeah, I am a little bit shy. Like that's, yes. they start with reality. Of course they start there. Of course they start there. 
Yeah, yeah any was- self-help book starts. Like, everything's, like, not, they're, none of their revelations are new. They're not unique. They're not anything they came up with. And they're disconnected from their ultimate goal and claims about reality. They're just trite aphorisms that you can pick up in any self-help section of a library that they string together and eventually Xenu's at the end, injecting antifreeze and there's aliens. Yeah, well, I I agree. I agree with Dr. K. She says, take what works and then throw the rest away is my only point. Yeah, I agree. They do say some good things. And actually, that I think is what gets some people to throw down the money and stay and take all the courses and stuff. Because, you know, at the big be- at the beginning, when I got there, even though I really, oh, this isn't a book club, uh, the woman on stage with the Madonna microphone is talking about um, uh, she starts putting on she starts borrowing people's glasses from the audience and putting on multiple pairs of glasses and then talking about how each glass each pair of glasses is a way of looking at yourself and we develop all these negative lenses for who we are and I'm like oh yeah there's some real meaning to this I can see <laughs> right, how- right. oh so it's you that yeah. no, but that is a good observation <laughs> look it's like the SGW cult there's some good things that of draw course. you in the beginning of course and then suddenly flash forward to the day you're being asked to defend physical violence and censorship. And it's like, yeah, wait, no, look, start with that. <laughs> Carrie, I can't just hand you a cup of cyanide. I've, it's got, there's gotta be like, I gotta put the cyanide in a really good latte. Like I can't, you yeah. can't, you can't serve poison that way. You have to hide poison in some good stuff. I mean, that's, um, that's, I, that's just the way it is. Uh, tame the watcher. I have to read this cause it's funny. Tame, Tame says, George Carlin said that God created man because Mother Nature couldn't produce plastic. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny, but it's funny. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I I know the I know there's there's a lot of that stuff out there. You know what? Um, you know what's cheaper though than going to Landmark or any of this stuff? Uh, you can go to a cognitive behavioral therapist. Um, Yep. relatively cheap compared uh you can even cheaper options you can um six pillars of self-esteem great book uh by nathaniel brandon um i'm sure there's 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 plenty of other books depending on your particular issues but um sometimes if you get a good therapist they'll give you book recommendations to read um uh, that aren't their books <laughs> so um yeah there's there's plenty of ways and i think Here's people one. do often need psychological help Here's one: cognitive behavioral therapy for dummies. I don't. I haven't read that one. <laughs> I need the for dummies for dummies version. Yep. Yeah. A low rest boy points out that cognitive behavioral theory, therapy is very efficient and has a great track record. Yeah. I mean, look. I, I think the uh, psychological sciences are clearly very nascent, but um, and there's a lot of crap in them. But CBT has CBT has a better track record, uh, as low rest boy points out. So. I, I know I know we're supposed to end, but I, I want to keep going, Carrie, because I want to talk about the coronavirus just a little bit. Um, because you shared you shared this article, which was removed from Medium, but I think now put back up on Medium. I think maybe the guy had to put a disclaimer in order to get it back on Medium. Oh, um, yeah. This falls into the category not only of coronavirus talk, but also of the your, the narrative being controlled by a small group of people so so while you show this i just yep. really have to go to the bathroom it's an emergency okay, okay I'll, go to the bathroom. but you lay this out I'll they right pause back. in the middle of joe rogan all the time t- for people to go to the bathroom so go ahead all right eight reasons to end the lockdowns as soon as possible i'm going to uh skip to the end just for a second and point out who wrote this 
bunch of doctors, okay? A bunch of doctors wrote this. So it um, doesn't mean they're right. That's the, you know, we're not going to do argumentum, uh, you know, argument by authority, but argumentum, uh, what is it? Ad, not ad populandism is number of people. Anyway, I forget the uh, Latin. We're not going to do that. It's not, the fact that they're doctors doesn't make it right, but there's, there's kind of some interesting points. So eight reasons to end the lockdowns. One, we've already flattened the curve. Well, that's true. We are kind of flattening the curve. I've shared with you guys um, a little uh, chart I've got that uh, I'm using to track it. It's on my Twitter if you need to find it. It's pinned. Economic collapse and unemployment are destroying families. Well, that's true. Um, we've already seen this. this. This guy estimates that about one million jobs a week are being lost, some of them permanently. So that's a big deal. Um, we're well beyond the historical highs. I mean, the very first week we were four and a half times the historical high, and we doubled that after that, and then did the same number the the following week. So, um, and and by the way, economic collapse does kill people, uh, not just through suicide, but other ways, but also suicide. Um, We've not saturated the healthcare system. New York got close. Carrie was mentioning this. New York is uh, obviously the worst in the U.S., but, um, you know, we've kind of, we're here. We haven't actually hit capacity yet, and in many cases, we are well under capacity also, as Carrie pointed out. Suicide may kill almost as many people as COVID-19 this year. In 2018, there were 48,000 suicides. Economic ruin results in a wide range of health problems. Suicide, mental health issues, loss of health insurance, reluctance to visit doctors in light of financial hardship, and increases in substance abuse. We've seen an increase in alcohol consumption, I think somewhere like 20%, 26%. So uh, the mortality was likely overestimated. Okay. Um, that th This person talks about the uh, incident, uh, uh, the infection uh, fatality rate may be about 0.1%, maybe even down to 0.37%. We're not totally sure what it is, but the early reports of 3 to 4% uh, are probably misleading. Again, where it's not clear because uh, you can't know really until it's over, but, um, and, and we also had bad data coming out of China. Children are at almost no risk. That's true. That's true. Almost no risk. PPE gear is available. Uh, I think that's generally also true. That PPE stands for personal protection equipment. Um, and authorities should show clear evidence regarding the benefits of indefinite lockdown. So this is a pretty well-reasoned article, and it was removed by Medium. Obviously, it's back up, but it was removed for violating, violating the uh, rules. I looked I up the Medium rules. I don't know what the hell rule it violated other than wrong think. Sorry, Carrie. Go yeah, ahead. well, I'm glad they put it back up because immediately, <coughs> excuse me, within an hour of posting it, when I shared it, it had been taken down and I had done, I had basically posted everything, the co the context of it without the graphs and the sources, I had posted it in the comments on my post. Um, and I hadn't even done that thinking because they're going to take it down. I just did that because I thought people don't like to click on things and read them. Maybe they'll read the comments and read what's yep. in the article. Yep. Um, but then I was glad I did that because they yanked it down and it took a while for me to find a mirror site that had it up. And yeah, I'd, there's nothing in here that should have led them to yank this other than like you're saying, it, this is not the narrative. They don't want you talking about this or spreading this. And so um, uh, anybody who hasn't read it yet, Carter, if you can put the link 
in the chat. That would be great. Oh, yeah, read it. I will. I will do that. Hold on for just a moment. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll put the link in chat. And um, so here's the other thing uh, I want to quickly mention. The, you know, I, I don't see Maria Tuscan in chat, but we've been talking about this a lot and trying to figure out, like, what's the actual, what are some of the actual numbers? Because it's hard. We're getting lied to by the mainstream media. Mainstream media is doing zero investigative journalism in any of this stuff. Um, if you'll notice the way that they treat, uh, what's that drug that uh, treat AIDS? I forget the name of it. It's like super expensive. It's like a thousand dollars for a supply uh, of it. I forget. And they're they're promoting that, which is actually less tested than the the chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine that that um, they jumped on Trump's case for touting. Um, the hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine has actually more anecdotal evidence um, than the one that they're touting, but they're touting that one, which is like a thousand bucks and controlled by the pharmaceutical companies, not the cheap, like 60 cent one that Trump is touting. So, I mean, look, they, they always have an agenda. They've got an agenda. They're, they're going to give their narrative. They're not going to do any investigative and they're not going to uh, question any numbers. So one thing we have been looking at is what the total death count has been from like things like pneumonia and people have been saying, well... Uh, pneumonia deaths are down. I'm going to show you a graph because I, I want to, our goal is to get to the truth here and not to push a narrative about it's dangerous or not dangerous or this is happening or not happening one way or another. So this graph was going around. I think I might have even shared a version of this graph um, maybe on a show. I don't know if people remember. Um, oh, Rem, Remdemsvir is the, is tame. Is that, yes, that's the drug, the AIDS drug I was mentioning. Okay. So, <sighs> People look at this chart and they say, oh, wow, the U.S. pneumonia deaths are down. Um, the, the red here is the 2019, or 2019 to 2020 graph um, during the season. And these are other previous years. And you look at the other years and you look at this graph and go, well, the pneumonia, pneumonia deaths are down um, because they're being attributed to coronavirus. Now, one thing that is true is um, they are being very liberal with their attribution of death to the coronavirus. That we know that they have admitted so likely the number of actual deaths is going to be turn out to be less than what they're saying. But this was the graph we were showing. However, there is a, there's some nuance. This is why this stuff is never easy. This stuff is, a lot of times this stuff isn't easy. Here are the previous years, right? Okay. So one thing that happens is when you look at, when you plot the data, for each week, as each week goes by, actually the data changes um, and gets back corrected for previous weeks, okay? So this GIF, I'm trying to, let me try and make it bigger. This GIF shows each year it looked like it was going down, but the data got corrected as cases got reported for like previous months. So if you look at every year, Every year did the same thing, and here's 2019, 2020. It's following the same pattern. We're here, right? But watch all the other years. They start low, and they go up as the data gets corrected. They start low, and they go up as the data gets corrected. Again, low, go up as data is corrected. So when we hit 2019, 2020... Back and to the left, back and to the left. Sorry, you made me think of that. Yeah, right, but look, it's, it's following the same pattern, which suggests that maybe... It will be exactly the same. Maybe yeah. pneumonia deaths haven't actually gone down. It, people really like the reason I'm bringing this up is just to point out how much people love to grab um, grab onto really simple explanations for things and be like, "Aha, here it is." And often it is more nuanced. So uh, it might be that 
these coronavirus deaths are actually additional coronavirus deaths. Um, none of that means that we carry or I think that lockdown is uh, what should be doing, what should be happening. And I'm going to give, let's give, I, I don't like a lot of things about what Trump has done, uh, not the least of which is his bailout for uh, large businesses or anyone. Printing money is never a good idea. But I want to be clear, the country's not on lockdown. Trump has not ordered shutdown. That's your governor. Your, your local, local officials have done that. Yeah. Not Trump. Yeah, um, it's our local so, officials. And yeah. uh, I don't want to... We've done a couple videos now on the quarantine Karens, and I don't want to get into that again, but just... Nope. I will again say, it, this has been very revealing just in my own little town and local Facebook group, which people some of whom I didn't expect are just more, they, they are begging for government lockdown. They're begging for more of it. They're reporting people there. It, it brings out the worst in people and it also brings out the best in people. I've also seen the opposite. And so, um, look, if there's one, so there's always like a perverted positive of negatives, right? That's a phrase I heard, um, in relationship to a family member who got cancer, like the perverted positives of a cancer diagnosis. Um, the per one perverted positive of this is it's been really illuminating in a lot of ways. So it has, it has. And I think, um, you know, as we mentioned before, we're seeing a lot of people realize just how much they're getting lied to, just how much there's an agenda, just how little, frankly, even if it's not outright like intentional lying, just how little, work the media does in doing any investigative reporting. I mean, if you look at how, look at the difference between how CNN treats Trump and how CNN treats uh, Andrew Cuomo, right? Andrew Cuomo comes on CNN regularly so that his brother can tell him how much the country respects him and how great he's doing in New York and what an awesome job and, oh, haha, ha, you know, mom likes me better, blah, blah, blah. Like, they have this chummy totally softball regular interviews with yeah. the governor of new york and his brother on cnn as if it's news his um, media his news mouthpiece so-called news mouthpiece yeah right right but then here we go uh you know trump trump says anything and um and he gets jumped on there's you know the opposite of, uh, not not just hardball questions but like ridiculous misreporting ridiculous misreporting absolutely I saw one of the craziest ones I saw recently was uh, his son talking about the federal stockpile of ventilators versus the state stockpile. And he was like, you know, we've told states they should use their stockpile, their state stockpile first, and then right. come to us. The federal stockpile is ours. I, I, I didn't think they could do this. I thought this one was so crazy. Nobody would allow this to become part of the 24-7 news cycle, but they did. Nothing so they, crazy that that won't happen, Carrie. Yeah, they excerpted just the part of him saying the federal stockpile is ours, and they ran that as if he meant what? His personal stockpile <laughs> for the Trump family? What, did the, what possible yep. nefarious meaning could you take from that? Yet they ran it, and yet there were journalists in the next White House press briefing asking him, what did he mean by the federal stockpile is yours? You know, I meant the federal government's? Right. <laughs> it's ours, all of ours. And I said, yeah. use the state first and then come to us. Like I, that was, that was, um, that one was just really unbelievable to me. Um, yeah. yeah. Real quick. I, mean, I, I Becky and chat, cause this is huge. I've heard from lots of people who've been affected by this and, and 
Um, Becky is talking about being a small business owner and how this has been devastating, being classified as not essential. Quote, it, she says, it's sad as a business owner seeing a store full of merchandise sitting here every day. So depressing. Um, yeah, so a lot of people have been arguing with me about this. Um, they're just like SJWs try and falsely claim a moral high ground. I'm realizing now that this is just something authoritarians do. It doesn't matter if they're an SJW authoritarian or if, if there's some other type of, maybe they're not a social justice person, but they're, they are an authoritarian at heart. They like government control and government forcing people out of business. They like the government being in charge of what we're allowed to do. Um, I think it's a thing with authoritarians. They try to claim this false moral high ground. And in conversations, they keep saying, uh, if you care about personal liberty, if you're against government closure of all these businesses and putting tens upon tens of millions of people out of work and unable to provide for their family, if you're against that, you're selfish and you don't, you're not compassionate. I've, I've had three different people use that selfish word to me. You're selfish. You're not compassionate. You don't care about people getting sick. It's a false moral high ground. Um, and, and what I'm trying to do now is like, once I realize, oh, that's, that's what they're, they're trying to claim, uh, that you can't just like that Venn diagram we talked about, about like, I care about the virus. I also care about people being forced out of work. I also care about authoritarian government and what precedent we're setting. And I'm in all of these circles. These people are just in the virus circle. They're not in the other circles. They don't care about the authoritarian government interventions and they don't care about people being forced out of work. And their false dichotomy that they're trying to create is if you're not solely in the virus circle with them, well, then you're not in it at all. And that's BS. I have a foot in each of those three circles. Thank you very much. They're trying to say if you don't care, if, if you don't care about just the virus, then you're selfish and you're not compassionate. And so I've been trying to turn this back around on them, which is, no, I'm not going to allow you to do that. And I'm not going to give you the benefit of the doubt anymore and assume that you are a compassionate person. I'm going to use your tactic right back on you. It is a selfish position for you to say that your right not to get sick, which is not a real right, by the way, is more important than millions upon millions of people being stripped of their right to go out and provide for their family and to take care of their basic needs, to being stripped of that right by their government. You're trying to say your fake right, it's not a right, not to get sick is more important than your neighbor's right to go to work and be able to bring home an income and cover rent and cover food for their kids. You are the selfish person. You are the person without compassion. And I will not allow you to stand on that moral high ground that you didn't deserve and you don't earn and try and bring my compassion into question because you're only in the one circle, dude. Some of us have a foot in each of these other ones. I'm sorry, I, that, I don't know what just happened. I blacked out. <laughs> no, no, it, I mean, obviously you're correct. Um, it, so, it makes me very yeah. angry, Carter. <laughs> yeah, no, it should. I mean, it should. And and I think this is um, I, I you, the interesting thing that I'm noticing is that so there's the Karens in the world who want to um, you know they're basically busybodies and they get off on this kind of stuff and so and they love having the moral high ground and acting superior. So they're the ones that are running around saying like, listen to the government order. Blah, 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 don't you you don't care, right? They they love doing that crap. Um, they're just useful idiots. Um, and then there, but there's also most people in government, which I'm finding it really fascinating is that they're just flirting with power. They're just really, I think the government, a lot, especially local governments, I don't have a better phrase for this. Uh, so I'm sorry that it's sexual, but I think they're getting off on this. Um, they 
love it. Um, there was um, in the East Bay, there was uh, a, an area, I think it was in Oakland, where they um, they shut down a bunch of streets so that people could walk and ride bikes on them. Why? I mean, being in your car, driving on a street is safer coronavirus-wise. Uh, you're breathing your own circulated air in the car, and you know, you're definitely keeping distance from people. But they shut them down because they wanted people to be able to walk and ride bikes on the street to get like it doesn't there. You know, everyone's seen that. A lot of people have seen the video of the guy like running on the beach in California. I don't know if you saw this, Gary, but like the cops trying to chase him and he just like turns it on and outruns the cops on the beach. <laughs> Literally no one's around. Just the guy on the beach. Right. Um, so they are these little fiefs, these little Napoleons that have their that have just a little taste of power in your local jurisdiction. They're all just getting off on exercising that power. And they're like, what law can we pass now? Who can we put up? What can we tell them they can't do now? We're going to drag a guy off the bus because he's not wearing a mask. We're going to make sure the the store is shut down. It is so, if your eyes are open, it is so obvious, so obvious how authoritarian everyone in government is, especially local governments, not Washington. You don't have to go to Washington for look to look for authoritarians. We talked about the CIA at the beginning yeah. of the show. It's not the CIA. It's your local town. It's like your little city council and your own board and your mayor. They're little authoritarians. They're little Napoleons who are trying to pass little laws to make sure your, your shop can't be open. And, you know, every business is essential. I mean, unless someone is doing a business as a hobby for no apparent reason... Uh, which people don't do. I guess some, maybe I, if you're a billionaire and you have a small shop just because you like it, I guess it's not essential for you, but it might be essential for your employees and it might be essential for your customers, depending on what you're selling. So every business is essential to people's lives. The economy is essential. Um, this stuff, this is one of these fallacies that um, central planners and big state people get wrong constantly. They look out at the world and they and they think that things just happen magically. This is the same people that want to I know I'm going off on a rant, but they it's the same fallacy of like seizing the means of production as if the means of production is just there sitting there. It comes out of what? Just yeah. God just shit it out of his butt <laughs> onto the planet. The means of production just doesn't magically appear. Someone risks time, energy, sweat, blood, tears building that means of production. Things don't just happen. You can't just shut off the economy and say, don't go to work and suddenly, and like people continue to live. You will die in nature if you don't eat. You need to be able to feed yourself and to live. And we're not in a society where we're out hunting and gathering anymore. We have a complex economy where everyone does something that someone else values enough to pay them so that they can go to the store and buy food to eat. The idea that you can just shut stuff down is non-essential and that if you are going to do that, somehow government stuff would fall into the essential category ever, ever? Ever, yeah. Is ridiculous. The the one non-essential thing on this entire thing is the government. It's the only non-essential business ever, the government. Woohoo! <laughs> I thought we were winding down about 20 minutes ago, and then apparently Me we too. had some rants left in us. I like to think. I'm, I'm mad on Becky's behalf in chat because I Becky is not alone. There are yeah. a million, millions of business owners, small business owners, and if you've never run a fucking business, don't you dare, don't you dare act like you have 
any idea what it's like to be a business owner. I have started several businesses. Some of them have done well. Some of them have failed miserably. You know how hard it is to be a business owner, especially a small business owner? They're not living the life. They don't have billions of dollars. Often they go into debt. They risk everything to try and build this business. They can't afford to keep paying you if you're not working. They probably can't afford rent for another couple months. Very few businesses have enough money to keep going like that. You are going to see absolute destruction in the small business community if you're not already. Businesses that will never open again. Yeah, I'm already And for someone it. to say you don't care because you think they should be allowed to make a living is the height of hypocrisy. Uh, to a T, these people that have tried to pretend to, to claim this false moral high ground and say that you have to only be in the cares about the virus circle to be compassionate and that if that's not where you are, you're selfish. To a T, I've asked those people, I'm just curious to your personal situation. Have you? Are you still making your full salary this month and are you going to make your full salary next month? To a T, these are people who are privileged enough to work in an industry where they're still making their full paycheck. They have not been affected. It doesn't affect them. Now, I don't have to be affected. Again, talk about claiming the false high ground. I don't have to be affected, and you don't have to be affected, although I have been to a degree, um, to have compassion for the people who have lost their jobs, who've lost 100% of their income, um, who've been whose businesses are, are threatened. But, but apparently for some people, it has to come home. The chickens have to come home to roost. It has to personally affect you to for you to give a damn. And that's what these well, people Well, and that are. is the height of selfishness in a bad way. I'm yeah. not using it in the objectivist sense. The, that is the height of self-centered, arrogant douchebaggery is Elitism to only too. care when you are affected yeah. and not care that Becky's affected. Elite, total elitism. And a lot of these people work jobs that, like you said, if we were to actually talk about what's essential and non-essential, okay, a lot of the, the white collar, the media jobs, the propaganda jobs, the people writing articles for Marie Claire about how watching Governor Cuomo makes their nipples hard, they're still getting paid to do that. Wait, how is that essential? That's not essential. And that's not real work, in my opinion. It's a kind of work. It's not- It's entertainment for some it's people, entertainment, I guess. Yeah. It's work, but it's not pouring asphalt. The same guy who was one of the guys who was trying to push this in my thread, this BS, he attacked another guy who was commenting my thread because he went and looked at his profile and saw that he used to pour asphalt for a living. And he goes, oh, got a, somebody who pours asphalt here. He's not a sheep, I guess. It's like, dude, I would rather hang out with the guy who pours asphalt for a living, who's got a real job, than some comfortable schmuck like you who's sitting at home uh proselytizing about how, how your imaginary right not to get sick is more important than his right to go out and continue pouring asphalt. Yep. Like, well, look, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely the more, you know, as anyone who watches the show knows, I, I like to read. I'm more of an intellectual type of guy, although I do, I, I don't look it cause I dress like Mr. Rogers. I do, I do do stuff outside a lot. Like I am, uh, you know, I do do other stuff, but, um, you know, I definitely have sympathy for the intellectual and the academics who want to, uh, go very esoteric on things. But uh, people who pour asphalt, one thing that tends to happen when you are doing something directly physical like that is you are constantly reminded that um, progress is something that is is ripped from Mother Nature's jealous grip, uh, <laughs> like with sweat and uh, and passion that's not 
easy. It's like, it's not easy to take a forest and cut down all the trees, pave it, and put an asphalt roll over that goes to the hospital. Like, that's not easy. Um, building things in real life is not easy. Nature doesn't care about you. And things don't just magically exist. So I, I think people that build stuff with their hands and do stuff that is uh, more directly connected to producing goods often have a firmer sense that um, of the real impacts of things because they, they know what it takes. They know that, hey, if I'm not there doing X, Y, and Z, these things won't happen. And people that write for Marie Claire or whatever you're just talking about, like, a lot of them have no clue that, like, there's a supply chain that's necessary and, like, the electricity that's necessary and, like, people have to move coal from this spot to this spot and then trucks and repair trucks and gasoline and hotels to stop on the way and gas stations to stop on the way and things to eat on the way and the asphalt. And the asphalt actually has ingredients that come from other places and they come from ships and they do that. Like, there's an entire freaking ecosystem necessary. And... They don't, they're busy, you know, pontificating about Andrew Cuomo's nipple rings, as you said, and and, and th writing they don't have about a sense <laughs> of where things come from. Go ahead. Yeah, and writing about pronouns. I saw a sort of a right. tweet the other day that I'm going to mangle it, but it was something to the effect of go spend a year working outside in the hot sun doing real work and then see if you care about what pronouns people use. Right. <laughs> like, right. like, it just doesn't, you're working, you're in the real world then. You know, this is uh, this is one of my recommend. This is a similar to my like. A lot of people complain. I just was talking to my daughter about this because my wife, um, <coughs> excuse me, my wife is a uh, business owner, and um, she actually had to shut down one of her businesses, probably permanently. Um, and the workers, a lot of the workers, are people who have literally never ever tried or run a business ever in their entire lives and their viewpoint is well you're the boss therefore you must be like taking baths and piles of cash and everything's easy for you and just pay me oh oh we're gonna shut down well i want six months of pay and i'm gonna take you to the you know i'm gonna drag you through court if you don't pay me um yeah i might lose but you know it's cheaper to pay me off the attitude that people have towards the boss um, or towards business owners generally or entrepreneurs is pretty vile. Um, and that attitude comes from being completely ignorant about what it takes to start a company and run a company. And um, and it gets skewed because the media only shows us people who have become billionaires, right? We, we think of startups or entrepreneurs as like Mark Zuckerberg and like people who've, you know, Jeff Bezos, people who've made billions and billions of dollars, but most bosses, most business owners, they're not, they're not super wealthy. They're not mega rich. Um, and if they are, they might've taken them a while to get there. They might not be mega rich at the moment. And a lot of times they're very leveraged because even if they are rich, they're often taking their personal assets. A lot of people don't realize this. A lot of times when you start a business, your personal assets are sometimes used as collateral for things, right? Because you don't have a track record. So they're, a lot of times, even if it looks like they have a lot of money on paper, it's massively leveraged because they're trying to build this business out and they're risking everything. And nothing makes me angrier than uh, people who've never done any of that, who just get a, get a nine to five paycheck acting entitled about what the bosses owe them. You are lucky that you have a job and that they hired you because someone has to build the business and you didn't do it. 
I'm not saying that's bad to be a worker. It's fine to be a worker, but have some appreciation for the fact that someone else took the risk and put up the money, time, and effort to try and give you a job. That's hard to do, and you didn't do it. Stop telling business owners what to do. All these people who want to like, minimum wage should be blah, blah, blah. Start your own business and pay them that. No one will stop you. You can make minimum wage at your business 100 bucks an hour. No one's stopping you. You know why you don't do it? Because you're too ignorant and lazy to do it yourself. You don't know how, and you're too lazy to do it. Once you put in the work, you will realize how idiotic you sound. So, God, Dr. this is going, this, this show is going everywhere. <laughs> Dr. K in chat says, uh, listen, sometimes business owners absolutely deserve it, not because they're rich, but because they do not treat their staff well. That's true. And, and Teresa echoes that. And I've, we've all seen that. I think Carter's just trying to point out the thing we don't hear about very often, which is how hard it is to start a small business. And I don't often hear people um, expressing empathy for small business owners. And yes, I've worked for some who were jackasses. Um, but, but also, I think both things are true, but it's also oh. a very hard thing to do. And they're putting stuff on the line. And, and look, I had my small business for a while. Um, somebody pointed this out in chat. A lot of times they don't take salary. Yeah, I didn't take salary for probably the first year, it might have been longer than that, because I was paying an assistant, and I wasn't making enough to pay myself. And there are people who, you know, it, you just wouldn't, I don't know, you're right, there is this perception of business owners as all, all being greedy, abusive, oh, it undeserving of what they have, right? Yeah, I mean, it happens all the time that business owners don't pay themselves. Um, all the time. I mean, that's the de facto, is you don't pay yourself to start with. Um, the first money you get, you, as soon as you start getting money, you pay other people generally. Um, and you know, here's why I'm going to push back on this. Some business owners are assholes. Yeah. You know why? Cause they're human. Some workers are assholes. Some people are assholes. It's not unique to business owners. It's not unique to workers. There are some assholes in the world, but you know what? You don't have to work for an asshole. That asshole gave you a job. You don't like him. Don't work. You don't have to work there. The job didn't exist without the asshole. So if you don't like them, don't work there. Just like if your employee's an asshole, you don't have to keep them around. Fire them. You don't have to have the employee. If you're married to an asshole, get divorced. If you're dating an asshole, don't date them. You have freedom of association. You are a human being with agency. You are not a victim of your circumstance. You don't have to work for the asshole. You can say, well, I have to because I can't find a job elsewhere. Well, if it wasn't for the asshole, you wouldn't have a job at all. So go thank him. If you if it's that desperate for you, thank the asshole for at least giving you a job. <laughs> or or to end this on a more uh, spiritual note, since we went there earlier, uh, a friend of mine used to encourage me before I became Christian, actually, and I don't think she is a Christian. She encouraged me to keep a gratitude list daily. And one of the things she taught me was to have gratitude for assholes because assholes, the way she put it is... Um, there are certain things you will only learn from bad teachers. You can't learn them from good teachers. And, and so I think that's a very good, uh, anyway, right. just a, a little, point. and, Sometimes and, you know, in defense of some of the people that are, uh, are called assholes. And, and this is, look, I have had menial jobs. I've had mid management jobs and I've been founder and CEO of, so I've, I've been at all levels of companies. Um, a lot of times people are viewed as assholes because they're poor at communicating what's going on and they don't know how to do it. It's not, it's not actually easy to manage people well. And a lot of times there are conflicting um, 
interests and conflicting uh, reasons to be doing things or, or information that you don't have where decisions are made and things are done that you actually don't have visibility to, you can't, you're not even really allowed. Like for some reason they can't even give you visibility or they don't know how to do it or they haven't done it well. And so what they do appears to be something they appear to be being an asshole. Also people are generally um, not objective when it comes to their own performance. So they, they tend to think that they've done everything right and they're perfect and blah, 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 blah. But the guy down in the next cube is horrible. And that's rarely true. Um, so people are, it, workers, workers tend to focus only on their their own circumstance, not good ones. Like great workers focus on the success of the company generally, but that's rare. Workers generally focus on their own selfish circumstance. What am I getting paid? How does it compare to that person? What do I get to do as a job? Like what's my situation in this? Like what's my stability? They focus on their environment. The person running things can't focus on their what's good for them. They can't even focus on what's good for all of you, although they need to spend some time doing that. They've got to make sure the business is healthy years down the road. And and a lot of that is guesswork. A lot of times they're predicting things or they're not sure and they've got to take a risk. And so um, a lot of times people just attribute uh, bad decisions or um, decisions they don't like to someone being a jerk when in fact it's just kind of hard and you don't have all the information. That's all I want to say about that. <sighs> Dr. K, sorry, my comment to Dr. K just got, my cursor got moved over. And so part of my sentence got put in the other part, but she was saying one day she's going to have a debate with you when she's not in chat and we'll see what happens. And I was trying to say, LOL, Dr. K, I'd like to see that. Anyway, I don't know. What are I would we like debating? I don't, does she disagree with something? I don't even know what, okay. uh, so How, can we just have a discussion? And, Cause and, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. I have to go. It's been two hours and 15 minutes, which means my brain has been shut off for the past 15. <laughs> uh -oh. All right. Well, we have, this has been a very long show, but I just feel like it was necessary and I was enjoying it. We are going to have a show carry with, uh, Julian Davis, where we will have the, um, religious discussion. However, okay. I'm going to be clear. I'm going to tell Julian this as well. Uh, I'm probably going to be a jerk about stopping people because, um, in these conversations, what tends to happen is like 15 million points get made and then it's like respond and it's like, no, no, one point at a time. We're going to go very slow. It'll be a slow conversation, but we will have it and hopefully people will enjoy it. Maybe it'll be this week. I don't know. I'll, we'll contact Julianne. So uh, thank you for watching. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Go to subscribestar.com. You can support us financially there. Um, and uh, I don't know, Carrie, what else do I need to say? We also have merchandise at unsafespace.com and we're currently reading, we still haven't picked the date. Okay, this is my goal for today, Carter. We're picking the date for book club. We're currently reading Animal Farm by Orwell. You can get a copy by following our affiliate link on unsafespace.com if you don't already have a copy or I, I think it's still free on uh, Kindle Unlimited. We can pick, by the way, whatever date you want. I've already read it recently. I'm probably not gonna read it again because I just read it, so. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right, later everyone. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being in chat, and thank you for the um, super chats and the really great uh, comments. I appreciate it.